Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Behind the Player podcast brought to you by Survival Challenge. I'm your co-host today, William Hermanot, joined by my favorite host of any LRG, John Matea. How you doing? Sweet, William. I appreciate that. (laughs) One of the reasons why I mentioned that is that it's so great to have you for our guest because I have my favorite LRG host and I have my favorite ORG host yes. all in the same podcast room. <laughs> wow. That's what I was waiting for. You can me up, Will. I love it already. <laughs> so now we're off in a good mood. We can start talking about Benji's demise, right? That's right. <laughs> so we're starting from the top and boys are going to be a long tumble down. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty great up here, Benji. Check out this view, you know? <laughs> Don't worry about the land. Just start. Yeah, it felt really good. Uh, How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, You know, just got out of school about an hour ago. Uh, Had a good day. No, doing all right. How are you? Excellent. I'm always excited to talk about more Survival Challenge. And it's an especially exciting time as we are in the only month of the year where you can apply for the next season of Survival Challenge. So if you've been checking Survival Challenge out, you've been stooping around, which I assume you are, if you're checking out this podcast, you must be a little bit interested about Survival Challenge. Head on over to survivalchallenge.net where you can go and submit your application to apply. Uh, You should definitely do it soon. By the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on release, uh, you don't got much time left, probably a week or maybe less. So you need to get on it. I know that very, very, very few, if any, regret um, sending in an application, let alone um, getting put on the show. Um, so if you're hesitant about it, eh, screw it. Just send in an application. Uh, I don't think we've ever had someone who didn't have a good time, whether they sucked or they had uh, taken the whole season, you know? <laughs> this foreshadowing's killing me right now. Yeah, I was just going to say. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Well, um, you have, as I mentioned, you know, you're a host of an ORG. You yeah. have quite the involvement in the survivor community. Um, what kicked that all off for you? Um, I mean, it, it's my love for Survivor um, initially. Uh, I, I've, I've always been somebody um, that's, that's been addicted to the show. I started watching um, at the end of season one. Actually, my very first episode was uh, the finale of season one. And uh, I, I just fell in love with the show. I haven't missed an episode since 2000. And I always try to kind of encourage my friends to watch it. But I've always kind of been a loner as far as my Survivor love until uh, 2018 when somebody found me on the internet and invited me to play an org. I didn't even know that those existed. And uh, ever since then, I haven't looked back because I found my people. I found the people I love to talk about the game with, the people I love to run games with and play games with. Um, it was just wonderful to find that community and knowing that that existed. And uh, you mentioned just finding out about orgs. Tell us a little bit how that went from finding out about its existence to being part of running one. Yeah, um, the, the very first org that I played ended up being the one that I hosted, which was Ecstasy. Um, uh, I, I'm not sitting here plugging it because we're about to actually wrap up the end of Ecstasy here in a in the last season. But uh, re- regardless, um, it kind of became one of those experiences where I, I played Ecstasy, then I got invited to play another org, Endure. And then after I played that, um, it, it became more about wanting to know more about the process 
And for me, I've always been a guy that has uh, like right now I have four puzzles on my desk. I've always been someone that likes puzzles. I've been somebody who likes to build, create, to tweak puzzles. And um, just thinking about it excited me and to be on the other side rather than being on the stressful end of an org. Um, and so I reached out to the, the guys who were running ecstasy at the time and asked if I could help out. And um, for better or worse, they, they were so busy that I ended up taking a, a, a hefty load of, uh, of the organizing. <laughs> I ended up loving it. I ended up loving um, being a part of the, the situation, being a part of the players. And, and um, you know, I love writing. I love speaking. I love doing tribal councils. It just really opened up a new a new opportunity for me to express the things I've always liked to do, but haven't done. Awesome. Um, so John, were uh, you a bit excited to see another uh, host uh, <laughs> applying for survival challenge or did you have some extra criticism based on that? <laughs> I, I don't actually remember Benji, how much you said about that in your application. I think you mentioned it. <clears throat> yeah. I, I'm not necessarily going to like open up a spot because you're a host or close a door because you're a host. Um, it's more about you telling me more about what he said at the beginning. Like the reason why he does it is his love for the game. And, and that's what I remember coming across from Benji. It was easy to see that that was real for him, that he didn't have to try to convince me that he loved the game. And as I've said many, many times, that's criteria number one for a survival challenge contestant. Awesome. Well, um, Benji, how did you actually end up hearing about survival challenge specifically? I'm sure there's a thousand avenues where it could have <laughs> happened, but how did it actually end up happening? <clears throat> um, I, I, over the course of the history of ecstasy in which I, I hosted and played the game, I think I've come across somewhere around like eight to 14 contestants that either um, had been in before and helped with production or new people who knew people. And uh, the very first was Austin Jackson, who had played mm -hmm. the season before me. Um, he was actually one of my allies in my very first uh, Oregon Ecstasy. And then I found out about um, Jen Carter, who ended up being in uh, the season right after that. And uh, she had told me about her experiences and we saw Sam Lechner and it was kind of more of a snowball effect than, um, than anything else, because I, I was hesitant to want to put myself out there and dedicate so much to something so big. Cause to me, it's, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a 0% or a hundred percent kind of person. And for me, it was more mentally getting over that idea of, do I want to play a live game where I do submit myself fully a hundred percent in a game where, um, you know, I could be crushed by not winning it, which uh, of course is always an option. Um, but you know, after, after a little bit of time, um, someone, I think it was Jen Carter convinced me to apply for it. And then Sam Lechner was kind of also a cheerleader on the sidelines helping me with that. Um, but then uh, of course I met you and Hannah and a couple other people. And it, it was just, you know, like I said, a snowball effect. Uh, and for season eight, it's kind of a, a more odd uh, casting process because we had some people who were told that they were going to play in 2020 and then obviously things happened uh, and some people stuck around and some people had to drop off due to just life just changing. Um, and so we, we scouted a couple other people to fill those spots. At what point in this process were you actually told you were playing? Well, uh, when I started the application process, you know, I went through, I went through the interviews back in, uh, I think I applied in January of 2020. So a few months before COVID hit. And I remember when I got the email from John, cause I was like checking obsessively every single day. Cause like I said, I'm zero or nothing. I'm zero or a hundred percent. And um, he sent me that 
I did not make the cast, but I was the first alternate. And um, even though he was trying to like say, you know, alternates, especially the first alternate, always get onto the cast. I I may as well had one foot in the grave because I was so bummed out. Like it was just the initial rejection. It was, um, you know, just having having all that energy going into the interview and feeling so good about it. And then, um, you know, it's kind of like that job interview where you don't get the job. And it was just enough for me to say, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say this is it. He said that I can get in if I need to. Um, and then as soon as COVID hit, he emailed me like the day that quarantine was announced, it's like, hey, someone dropped, you're in. And I was like, you bet I'm in. And um, I would have gone through anything to make it to Survival Challenge Season 8, um, whether it was through COVID, whether it was like a virtual, you know, hybrid or whatever it could have been. Um, I, I would have done whatever I could to uh, to make the season work like I did. And luckily we got to do it in person this this past summer. Very cool. Um, now, John, like, wh- what do you have to say as far as when it comes to those so close but didn't make it, like, casting choices? And I know you've probably touched about it in other locations, but just since it's relevant to the conversation, what's it like on your ends of things when you just have a lot of people to pick from and then you also have to factor in how many, like, men versus women you have and who knows who, like, What's some of the stuff that really comes into making those like just in or just out decisions? Yeah, the short the short answer is that a lot of it comes down to demographics. You know, if if you're a younger, let's call it a younger male, you know, historically you've represented three quarters or somewhere in that neighborhood of our applicants. So it's really hard for folks to get in. And I, I feel for the folks who get that initial, sorry, you didn't make it. Um, Because most of the time, if you're in that age group or close to it in the case of Benji, um, they're really good candidates. And we've actually laughed and said, one of these times we're gonna put out like 24 males that are 35 and under (laughs) and just let them all play. Because we literally get that many good applications every year. So, you know, for Benji to say he, you know, he was feeling like that initial rejection from our end. I remember us hanging up from the interviews and we were just like, this really sucks because <laughs> this is somebody we'd really like to have in the game. Um, we just didn't have enough spots, you know, and you hate for people dropping out to be the reason that somebody got in. But I could tell you, I was personally happy when Benji got in because I, I really like what I saw and heard from him. I appreciate that. Now that, that was the million dollar question for me too, William, you know, <laughs> sitting there thinking that first time I was like, what did I, ha- what they have? I didn't have, but I right. totally get it. Like that's, that has to be tough from that perspective. Cause um, you know, from someone who hosts an org too, uh, a lot of our contestants are all around the same demographic, whether it's like young 20s, early, mid 20s, um, all, I don't know, just just men who are excited to play. And it's, it's difficult to, to make it work. So I totally get it. Yeah, we had a production call last night for season nine. And um, we were joking that we already have enough applications of males. We could put two full seasons <laughs> worth out there right now. And, you know, we still have the two most busy weeks to go. And so it only gets harder every year as more and more people hear about this and more folks have had chances to play orgs or live games. The resumes just keep getting better and better and trying to narrow that down to a cast size that we're dealing with 
is is a tough thing. But that's a whole nother discussion. We don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, good news for you, Benji. You are in the season, and now that's all that's standing between you and your season is oh, about a like a year's worth of waiting. So you have extra time to prep. Uh, what was going through your head during this time of just? doing everything you could do as far as to eat up time till it's your time to play. Are you, are you crazy? Like it was just anxiety ridden. It was, <laughs> it was standing in front of a mirror thinking to myself, what do I do? Cause I had no clue. Like uh, even preparing for something like survivor, um, you know, that's, it's like, how extreme do I go? Do I practice for fire? Do I even bother? Or do I just sit here and like meditate for a year and a half until it's time? Sit um, out back in the rain. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know it was going to rain and be that awful of weather the whole time either. My God, what's, what's going on with Illinois this time here? It's wild. It's um, new, man. Yeah, right. it's it's new. yeah there, there, there wasn't much for me to do. Um, you know, I, I did play another game. I played another org because I wanted to practice um, some of the things that I felt like I had to prepare for, which was having difficult conversations, um, getting used to lying to people's faces, um, knowing how to lie, when to lie. Um, I, I felt like that was the most important part. And then other than that, just continuing to do all the puzzles that I do. Um, unfortunately, most of my puzzles are word puzzles, not the physical puzzles I, I, I encountered when playing Survival Challenge. Did you do any looking in the mirror? What's that? Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I will... I, I'm going when I when I see the pearly gates of heaven at the end of my life. There's going to be the pearly gates and then that darn mirror puzzle right next to me. As far as like, I have to beat that thing to get in because that is the nightmare that I will never live down. As far as I'm concerned, sorry, no, no, I did not get to do any mirror puzzles beforehand. I wouldn't even been on my docket. I was I was losing my mind. That no. oh. sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. There just was an open door there. I'll keep opening them. I still. <laughs> yeah but as far as preparation you know i did my best um i, I tried to um talk to people who had been in it before to get any bearing but they were giving me almost nothing um and you know it's just kind of accepting that i am who i am and that maybe there's not enough preparation for a game like this and it's just a matter of you know putting the um putting the body into the game and then starting it from the from the top awesome so um, any fun experiences to share as far as your travel to Illinois and anything that happened there? Did you run into any contestants slash volunteers before arriving? Um, unbeknownst to me, I did. Um, <laughs> so as far as the, the commute, it was, a it was an awful commute because, uh, I'm somewhat of a, of a very highly functional, uh, crazy person as it seems. Um, I mean, I had all of summer break off, but I, in my mind, I thought, you know, I'll just drive to Macomb from Denver straight and it'll be fine because it's 16 hours or whatever. And I can do that. And I did, but I didn't think of the physical repercussions that I might have before I play, uh, you know, a five day live game like uh, the survival challenge. <clears throat> but regardless, I don't really think that it affected me. I, I think that um, the jitters is what I really needed to get out. And uh, I think if I extended that trip any more than I did, it would have just been mental torture. Um, but, but by the time I got to Macomb, you know, I, I got a hotel room after I drove and then I woke up the morning of, and the plan was to just stretch and uh, meditate most of the day and then also do some balance beam work. And uh, just in case there's anything like that approaching. And um, like I said, unbeknownst to me, Kelsey showed up with her boyfriend and I didn't even think of it to be honest because they had a dog with them. 
and uh, I was at a dog park. And so when you see someone show up with a dog to a dog park, there's no suspicions. <laughs> I want to me, a person who's running around in a balance beam and doing stretches by themselves without a dog, obviously a little more suspicious. And um, yeah, Kelsey, they, they, they left real fast. And I remember thinking like, huh, I don't even think their dog got to really play in the park. <laughs> it, it was beginning to rain, so I kind of chalked it up to that. But um, she told me after the game that she had saw me um, doing all the stretching and running. And I was like, well, I, I guess you had a little bit of a leg up on me, but I, I had zero clue about anything um, going into the game. <clears throat> all right well um i also remember talking to you before the event um and just kind of obviously i i, I couldn't tell you anything but just sure. kind of giving you my personal experience and like mm-hmm. what to do i think i probably pointed you to the podcast to be honest i'm probably a little that, self-promotion in there <laughs> that, yes that, that was that was most of the answers i got from anybody who played but i also didn't want to ask them you know mm. like it feels a little leading and like you know i don't want to be that guy that walks in with inside information whether wrongly or whatever but you know <clears throat> um yeah anything you learned from the podcast by chance what I, what I did learn, I think I listened to like two or three of them. Like I said, I, I had a lot of nerves. So for me listening to it, I felt like I just had to get the idea. Um, mm-hmm. But from listening to the podcast, it really helped complete the puzzle as to um, the, the basics of what to expect. Um, you know, at least the idea of how the day to day worked out for them, uh, the elements that I should expect. Obviously, I had the exact opposite elements from the season before. <laughs> us, so that kind of blindsided me. But um, other than that, it was just kind of... Um, more getting bearing as to the pace of the game, um, how soon they vote off people, how they break people up into tribes, you know, just kind of the, mm. I wanted to get the, the, the formation of what I was about to expect. Yeah. I think, um, format's pretty good to know. Uh, yeah. sometimes it can, uh, bite you in the butt if you expect certain things, um, <laughs> season seven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, um, if anything, you start to learn that like, Hey, technically anything could happen. Um, but generally there is some things that you could likely expect, you know? Um, so, uh, I think what's funny is that like, I feel like we've kind of, like survival challenges as a whole has done a good job of kind of breaking the boundaries of expectations. Like for my season, you know, we didn't have any swaps and like no twist in place of said swaps either. Cause like at least in season four, when there was also no swaps, there was the kidnapping bit. So it's like, okay, since they did this, there's probably no swaps. That was like their funky bit. No, for my season, there was just like, nah, you guys are just, I think John, you actually said that you pl- essentially played with some, um, foreshadowing um, one world elements within season seven. Yeah, there there was a whole bunch of that. Um, it's all pretty subtle, but added all together, um, you can see it after the fact. Or, or when we're planning it, we can see it. But sometimes the contestants, when you when you point them all out after the fact, you say, "Oh yeah." But as you guys know, who have played. In the heat of the moment, most of that stuff is far too subtle for it to register on your radar. Absolutely, because you also have to consider like red herrings or things mm. thrown out as maybe people didn't even know that they were saying it in that way. Like I, I, it wasn't beyond me to to look too much into it, but it also wasn't. I wasn't going to make any assumptions as I knew how it was going to go. Yeah, and I've told everybody this publicly who's ever asked, like. 
if you know yourself um, and you are a planner, then go ahead and look at our prior season stuff. Just don't expect to see the same things run exactly the same way. Um, but if you're more of a, you know, I'm going to look at that like you're saying, Benji, it's just going to get me amped up. Then just come in and, and go with the flow. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I think more people get themselves in trouble expecting things to happen than people who didn't do all of the pre-prep and watch videos and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, and similar vein question, uh, but different kind of direction here. Um, what did you expect was going to happen weather wise? <laughs> um, I expected um, half of what we got. Like I, I grew up in Ohio and so I, I'm fairly familiar with um that that region's kind of like weather patterns, especially during the summertime. I, I expected it to kind of, um, you know, be sunny and then a little rainy, a little sunny, a little rainy. Um, I didn't really expect as harsh of weather as, as we endured. Um, regardless, I, I knew that it was possible. And so I did plan kind of for worst case scenarios, knowing that it could happen. I just didn't anticipate it. Uh, yeah, that was honestly like, like having to be evacuated there. I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but, um, you know, it's just a, a bunch of things that I, I feel as though were on my list of possibility, but low on the list of probability, if that makes sense. <clears throat> so when you when you got to the property, when you, you know, you saw the, the hectic thing that was check in, did yeah. you have any funny thing happen or was yours relatively smooth? You're in and out. What, what was that like for you? It, it was in and out as far as the actual check-in process itself. However, the time surrounding it, um, I did get to catch a, a glimpse of the other players that were approaching. And uh, of course, I saw my good friend Chris O'Neill um, walking up directly behind me as I parked. And that's, that's when, uh, you know, the good old Benji anxiety started to set in a little bit, knowing that a good friend of mine who I was just hanging out with a week ago was going to be playing this long form live survivor game with me. And I was already beginning to doubt myself to wonder how am I going to maneuver this, navigate this. Um, so honestly the check-in process, they could have told me their social security number and their bank account number. And I wouldn't have even heard a thing because I was thinking so much about what was already going on. Like the game had already started at that point for me, but uh, yeah, check, check-in process was fine. I knew they were going to take the blanket because I saw the weather um, other than that, it was just kind of strapping into this reality that I was about to go through. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, the the encounter with Chris because this is something we've talked about a lot when we're doing casting, especially as you know nowadays, it's really hard to find people that don't have some connection to somebody sure. else. And we debated about so you look across the field, you didn't have time, you guys followed the rules, it sounds like, so you didn't know each other were going to be there. Correct. But now you see somebody you know, and somebody you know is a gamer. Is that good or is it bad, or does it depend? Uh, it depends. And I, so I, I guess I'll kind of jump into the start of it for me was, uh, as soon as I saw Chris, um, I, I wanted to start off working with him with the idea that if we worked later in the game, it wouldn't be so suspicious that people would kind of see us canoodling, even though we hadn't seen each other. Um, so, so my goal was to um, try to somehow connect with him early on, try to form a bond 
and uh, I actually pulled Chris's sleeve as we were des- designated to pick our own tribes. But Chris pulled my hand away and ran away from me. <laughs> there, I'm not sure if that was an omen. I'm not sure if that was a message, like whatever it was. I, I knew that it wasn't malicious, obviously. I mean, me and Chris are friends. Um, but to me, it was like, okay, he has different plans for me. And uh, he got his way. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? What's my plan B? Um, it was just kind of, it, it started off. And then, um, of course, even before that, I, I looked across and I saw Caitlin and Holly as well. And I thought to myself, now I'm in really big trouble because um, both of them know exactly how I play. And I know exactly how they play as well. And, and it just, like, like I said, I, I was expecting to know at least one person. The people that I met when I got there, it, it maybe wasn't the, the best situation for me. I was really hoping for people that, um, that were less intimidating. <laughs> I to say, I, I mean, Chris, he, he beat me in the game that I played with him. Holly has played every game I've ever known. And she is just so cunning. She's so likable and she's good at these games. And then Caitlin was my number one ally in the last game that I had played prepping for um, survival challenge. And I knew how smart she was. I knew how good at puzzles. I knew how good talking to people and making connections she was. Uh, Honestly, it was just like, um, throw the plans out the window type of emergency. (laughs) That's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't put all that together, but I guess we'll get to that as we get to some of the, uh, Early right. fall vote outs. I'm sure some of that must have played into your thinking. Huh? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh, so take me to that moment, though. You you're all checked in. You're you're standing there at the edge of the pond. You're all looking at me, and I I can't remember anybody in particular's face, but I did see like this collective wide eyed look among everybody. Um, and it was a, a bit of a couple of things. It was like, it's been two years and we're finally back. So there's a bit of excitement, but yeah. there was also a bit of the what's about to happen thing. So, so other than the people you saw, can you remember like what was going through your mind at that moment? Um, my, my whole life, I've always been a very like improv reactionary person. So once the game was getting going, that's when I was in my element. Um, the nerves only work up until maybe about, I don't know, maybe about an hour before the challenge actually was uh, about to happen. But once I got there, I, I had all the confidence in the world that I was ready for this and that whatever was going to happen was going to happen. And, um, you know, like I said, looking around at the people who I knew, uh, I kind of had to put that on my brain for the moment and think that uh, I have to pretend I don't know them. I have to play the game like anybody else would, pretending that they didn't know anybody in, in, in Survival Challenge. And, and for that moment, what I was doing was I was trying to size people up based on... Um, who, who I expected to work with. And maybe I was trying to be more of an observer than someone who was acting. I, I wanted to see who was going to pair up with who, um, how they were going to react and talk to one another. And it was more about body language and about how, how I was going to perceive them. And, uh, you know, just, just start to size up my competition, I guess, in some way. And, and what was crazy to me is when you watch Survivor, immediately there are people who are kind of cast as villains, people who are cast as heroes, people who kind of have um, maybe the little uncouth, maybe they have uh, manners that are different from others. Everyone on this cast was so nice and they were so attuned and everyone, as soon as you um, were reading the rules and said go, I don't think that there was anybody that really stood out in 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 either a negative way or in just a, a somehow displaced way. Mm-hmm. It, it was very, it's very intimidating in that fact, but also very reassuring that um, I was surrounded by people just like me. Yeah. And, and 
that's been my philosophy of casting from the beginning and hearkening back to all of our old time fans back to season one that was the original blueprint right is just getting people out there who want to be out there for the sake of playing the game and and not this I need so many of this type of person and villains and these kinds of folks. And I still believe that. And I'm glad to hear you say that. If you just put a people out there who have that enthusiasm and that ability, the, the most of the rest of the game takes care of itself. Right. Like it's, it's regardless of the fact if those people were playing villainous or had villainous intention behind the camera, because I think it's hard to see that once you're there yeah. and everyone just had the same motivations. It was just like a well-oiled machine at that point. So, so how did you, you ended up on what we came to call the, the initial red group? How, how did that happen for you? Did someone grab you? Did you grab somebody? What did that look like? <laughs> well, like I mentioned, I, I tried to grab Chris and right. I was like following his coattails. And then all of a sudden I collided with people who were like, we need a fourth. And I was like, well, here I am. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just, that's just kind of how I ended up, you know, it was, it was happenstance in, um, in, in my misplanning. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was good because um, what I what I initially loved is that um, I, I am somebody who, um, you know, if I was on the actual show survivor, I'd be the person who'd be um, working at camp nonstop, making sure that we have a very fruitful uh, camp, making sure that it, um, things are getting done, that we have the fire being tended to and et cetera. As soon as we had our group formed, I think it was Meg immediately was like, can we start the challenge right now? And I was like, this is my girl. I love people who are ready to just get moving. And I remember just taking my shirt off and I was like, I'm jumping in the pond because I think if my tribe sees that I'm ready to pull this thing, push this thing, whatever it is, swim with it, that we would start to get a jump on the competition because at the end of the day, the game had started and I wanted to make sure that we were in contention for something good and not the tribe that was being yelled at, like how far behind we were from the other tribe. <laughs> All I wanted not to be that tribe. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. None of Chris or Caitlin or Holly end up in that initial group with you. They all ended up together. That's what, that's what blew my mind. Like, I can't look at them because I know that all, I know half their tribe over there. And I had heard of Jake Miller before. And so once I put together, that's who he was. I was like, Man, that's that's four people that I know in this game, all within eight people. <laughs> and, uh, that in and of itself, I had a little bit of envy. You know, I have to admit, because looking over there, it was like I knew that Chris knew Holly the same way that he knew me because me, Chris and Holly all played the same game and Dur together. Um, and so I knew they had that connection and I knew that they knew Caitlin as well. And so for me, it was just a little bit of jealousy. Like that was my plan. And but at the same time, I, I also knew that I you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm very social. I, I'm good at getting to know people. And I, I had zero, I had zero qualms or zero stresses about, you know, me assimilating or, or getting to getting good with a group, which I, I did. It was just more of the fact that, uh, you know, it, it was like watching, watching my plans slip out of my hand, fly through the wind and someone grabs them and takes it. And I'm like, dang it. That's, that's my <laughs> idea. So, um, what was, you're so used to playing online games. What's the difference for you as you're trying to interact with people and also de deal with physical challenges in real life compared to your experience playing online games? Um, honestly, I had more confidence that I'd be okay with like social game online. Um, I mean, social, social game in person rather than online. Uh, because if anything, I, I'm a very confrontational person. 
Um, not in like a bad way necessarily, but if, you know, something's wrong, I'll go talk to someone. Or um, if I feel like I need to say something, whether it's apologize or, or step up and help lead, like I don't mind being that person. So for me, it was never a question of, um, you know, how I'd get along. It was more of um, how do you, I don't know, how, how do you maybe cover up your strengths or, or downplay your threat level or, I don't know. How, how do you, how do you even begin this game where you have all these intentions and you're trying to protect them, but you're also trying to be vulnerable. It, it was hard. Uh, I'm, I'm a very emotional person and uh, I'm sure as a, as you saw from the survival challenge, but it, it was just a matter of making sure that, um, that I was in check. I was looking after myself with online games. I get breaks and I get opportunities to um, calm down and have moments to myself uh, the biggest worry in this game was uh, allowing my myself to ruin my own game by way of whether it's my own anxieties or just a matter of projecting the person who I who I need to be in this game. That, that was that was the biggest thing for me was uh, was keeping myself in check. So that that opening exercise was obviously physically demanding, and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm understating that a little, um, but, but the classic design of an opening, and it's always the same for us. It's, it's to put you in a situation where a lot of what you're just saying is playing out where everyone is trying to sort through, am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? Am I being personable enough all while swimming through a pond and running farther than you normally do in bad weather and all this stuff. Right. So as that's all unfolding, any of that initial group, anybody stick out to you? Like, Hey, I know this is a person I can work with. To me, um, the, the first person I had that feeling about was Tiffany. And, um, I think it's because Tiffany has a really, a really honest way of talking to people. And, and she has a really good way of, of um, letting her opinion be heard or maybe like having a good conversation with someone and making you feel grounded with her. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel forced. Um, and that's that's what really draws me into players is um, I, I'd rather be able to not read a player than to read a player. And I, I felt like um, a lot of players like Pat, like uh, Devin, um, that I, I feel like I really had a good bearing on who they were going to, how they were going to play or, or how, how far I could uh, trust them or, or just initially based on uh I don't know, just my initial interactions. I kind of felt like they were giving me what they wanted to give me. Whereas Tiffany, I felt was being herself and those types of players, um, always draw me in because I, like I said, I'm a very emotional player. I kind of play exactly who I am. Meanwhile, like there's all these brain ramblings going on in the background. Uh, but, but she was one of the people that I really got initially drawn into because I just kind of felt that, um, that, that very genuine um, conversationalist. Uh, I wouldn't say that we necessarily had a connection, but I liked how she talked to me. Um, I think when I was uh, following around you guys, trying to do these challenges and figure out what the heck is going on, I think you stuck out as one of the first people, to me at least, threw around the idea of this is a possible one world scenario. Yeah. I didn't want to say it because that was like a nightmare scenario. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just because, you know, it was, it was tough. Like at the very start of the game, um, one of my biggest frustrations was that very first puzzle with the ropes and the sticks in the ground. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I, I am a natural leader. You know, I was a principal of a middle school. I'm a teacher. I've, I've always just kind of been someone that's been thrusted to the front because I thrust myself a little bit to the front. And, um, I, I was really trying to not be that person, especially with, uh, the personalities that we had in our tribe, you know, um, Patrick is great at, at talking and, and he's very grounded. He's very smart. He is uh, level headed. So he's a good person to listen to. Devin has all the energy and has all of the, um, he, he kind of came out the, the strongest in the sense of like, um, we rallied a little bit behind his leadership and his, um, his willingness to kind of take the reins. And then we also had Kaywoo. We had Mandy, we had, um, Meg, we, we really had like a strong group of people that I felt like all were playing their roles very well. And part of me, Part of me uh, decided to take a back seat. And um, even though I had read through everything and they started digging up one of the polls that we had, I, I knew right away that it, that wasn't what we were supposed to do. And, um, <laughs> and by the time they had done it, the damage was done because it's hard to put a pole back into a random hole that you dug it out of. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to get mad because there's nothing I can do because we can't do this challenge anymore. But it was just a matter of me making sure that... Um, you know, I was taking deep breaths. I wasn't trying to let myself get in my own way. And um, then then when we got um, walking around with the map, you know, I was I, I feel like I have good orientation. And so I, I, I think I was one of the people with the maps trying to help find things. And we just kept crossing the same paths. And the moment we were standing there, um, it was silly to me that people weren't considering every option. Like to me, it's like, okay, we could be split up into tribes. We could be drawing buffs. We could be in a one world. We could be in a nothing world. We could like it. it I don't know. Like it could have been anything. And the more that people, um, the more the people were standing around, the more I was confused as to why they weren't um, more upset that that we hadn't <laughs> figured something out. Like I said, I, I keep it all bottled up very well, and I, I'm also not like I'm not that genuinely upset. But to me, it's like, you know, we're playing a game. I do want to meet and talk to everyone, but it's going to be dark soon. We have to get a fire, maybe some food, or find out if there is food, or look for an idol or something. Um, yeah, so for me, it wasn't beyond, beyond beyond me to think that we were in one world, especially the more that uh, production seemed complacent in our decision to wander around each other. <laughs> it just kind of felt like, well, if they're happy with where we are, we must be where we should be. But, um, you know, one, one world was not what I wanted, but that's where I found myself. You know, before we talk about that a little more, when I, I finally came walking to the common area where you guys ultimately ended up, and I fully expected you not to be still at the rope and post challenge. And I kind of walked in on you there. It wasn't planned. But um, I could sense the collective frustration in the air. Yeah. And I was kind of just looking at faces. And I did notice you kind of off to the side-ish. And, and I was curious as to whether that was intentional or not. So it's interesting to hear you speak into that because I remember saying like two or three times, did you read the note? <laughs> did you read the note? And then yeah. I think it was Kaywoo who finally reread it and had that moment where he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, exactly uh, yeah. And, and I walked away from it there and... Um, one of the first things I always look at, I'm looking at the people as to like who's playing what role here, you know, because it's it's fascinating in beginning of games dynamics to see who's willing to take that role or who feels like it's not in my best interest at this point in time. So um, if I were to guess, I was going to guess at that point that you were 
intentionally not stepping <laughs> forward. So it's interesting yeah. to hear that that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> Part of me thinks maybe I should have just taken a little step forward and said like, hey, let's all read the directions out loud together. It's not a race. Um, but my God, Devin, I, I don't want to put too much blame, but I felt like Devin was like, okay, this is it. Dig, dig, dig. And I was like, oh no. Like this, feels, this feels a little quick to be finding something so fast and digging underneath the pole. I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't like this. I don't like this. But there we were. And at the same time, um, I wasn't stressed because, um, you know, a part of me after, after hosting an org for so long, um, a, a deep part of me kept thinking, you know, it's okay to not be the top dogs as a tribe. It's okay to lose players because that that's usually where the strength comes is through loyalty and through working with the players that you trust. And so to me, it was like, this is fine if we start to spiral. It's like, but honestly, our group was so, I, I really do think that we had some sort of a super group, that initial eight. And I, I, I wish those would have been our initial tribes. Cause I think we would have been unstoppable in some ways, but um, it, it was, it was kind of a relief to look around and be like, you know, we're not idiots and we're not screwing this up, but um. You know, this isn't the end of the world either. Right. Um, let's see here. Uh, so throughout the night, um, there's a lot of people wanting to intermingle. Uh, some people wanted to, but didn't want to be that person, basically. Um, how much in each direction were you? Were you someone who actually really wanted to interact with other people in the inter- other tribe but didn't want to be the one to make the move or did you just were more focused on your initial group? Um, I felt good with my initial group. So my focus was to, um, I mean, my, my, my intrinsic motivation was to talk as many people as possible because I'll be working with them down the road, hopefully, or if a swap comes or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but I also did not want to initiate or look like I was so one of the things that I really tried to strategically do was to be mobile with different people of the tribe. Um, like I remember me and Tiffany tried to walk over and hang a tarp up. I had zero intention or care of hanging that tarp up. My goal was to get away from the tribe with one of my tribe mates to make it look like I'm still being collegial. And at the same time, hoping that I crossed paths with someone, which I crossed many paths and I had an opportunity to get to know names, get to know a little bit about people um, without looking like it was intentional or like that was, um, that was maybe a ploy. Uh, so, so the goal was really to, to just kind of stumble into conversations and, you know, always try to make sure that there's someone nearby to kind of be an alibi in a way, if that makes sense. Um, just to make sure that, uh, cause I'd already, people had already been coming to me and saying like, look at so-and-so over there, like talking to them, like, should we look into that? And I'm like, we're not, we don't have a challenge yet. Like we're not going to tribal council tomorrow. <laughs> like we, we need not worry, but you know, that we can file that away for later. But it, just knowing that people were talking about it, um, you know, just kind of raised up my, my concern for myself to make sure that I'm not seen as that person. Um, but, but luckily, luckily for our, um, our tribe of eight, I'm not sure how this happened, but, um, between the three groups, um, both of the other groups seem to like us, um, the best other than themselves, obviously, um, because of like the turmoil of the, I think it was the blue tribe, the one with, I think it was one with Holly, Chris, Caitlin, Jake, um, that ended up <laughs> like keeping answers from the joint puzzle yes. that we all had to be working <laughs> on together <laughs> to me it was hilarious. Cause it was like, I was like, why are we doing this? Like, this is, this is so silly for us to keep each other away when we're all in such close quarters currently. Like if we were like going on a tribe map far away from each other, maybe it makes sense. But right now it was like, by all means we need each other. 
And to be keeping anything from anybody sorely in the game to me was hysterical. And that the other tribe kept coming to us and saying, like, we like you guys so much better than them. I was like, good, keep that narrative. Like, I like that. <laughs> the nice tribe, as, as you were being called. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Any other things you observed that night that were of interest? Obviously, your focus was on your group, but did you see any other things going on that you kind of made a mental note of or something along those lines? Uh, some things here and there. Uh, one thing that I noticed was the energy coming from that blue tribe, the, um, the one with Holly, Chris, and Kaylin. And honestly, I think it's a, it's a little bit of my perception because I knew them all so well. But I, I think we all collectively knew at the uh, One World campsite that they were the tribe that was a little louder, having more fun. Um, and I have a feel that also that might be attributed to the fact that some of them knew each other and they had some connections. So maybe that good energy was there. Um, but to me, it was more of if anybody would say anything negative or questioning another tribe group, um, it was my opportunity to kind of not jump on, but just kind of very passively agree. Be like, yeah, yeah. You know, I did see that too. Um, because so long someone's talking about other people, um, I want them to continue talking about other people and not me. Uh, but I, I do remember at one moment, um, I believe I went up to the, to the porta potty with Tiffany, Mandy, um, maybe, maybe one other, I think it might've been, uh, Devin, maybe someone like that. But, um, they had said that, uh, Chris had taken toilet paper from the porta potty and was trying to start fire with it. And we were all like, Ooh, like well, that's, nah, that doesn't feel like it's in the rules. We don't think we should do that. And any gossip at that point was just something to chew on. And so as soon as uh, people had that, and even though I knew Chris, I was like, yeah, it's like, what's up with that? That's not cool at all. We should vote him out if we get a chip. No, I mean, uh, it's just an opportunity for me to, to kind of pile on a little bit and say like, oh man, yeah. Okay. So if any of us like seem, got to keep our eye on him, um, make sure that there's nothing fishy going on. Um, other than that, the, uh, the other tribe, I think it was maybe the yellow tribe. Uh, they were, um, I don't know they, they they more seemed uh, concerned about trying to find the, the best sleeping arrangements, and they kind of uh, were messing with their tarp a whole bunch. And I think that our tribe was just kind of doing more of the the very patient, um, casual conversation about our lives and getting to know one another. And I, I think more or less uh, for me, it was just making sure that I didn't fall asleep too soon, so that I could talk to people and be involved in conversations. Because I, I am a heavy heavy sleeper, and. Um, I know that I'd heard some people on the podcast saying, I don't think anybody slept. I slept a good four or five hours that first night. Um, and my tribe knew it because they're like, we could hear you. You're like rote to breathing. I'm just like, Phew. like I was, I was pushing air out a certain way. And everyone was like, yeah, you slept, you slept pretty well. And I was like, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I didn't mean to. Um, yeah, but it's just trying to, trying to uh, not let myself be my own worst enemy, but, uh, trying trying to be as, as marginally involved as possible without stepping out too much as like a big threat. What about the uh, the note in the bottle? How did, did that get talked about at all? Or how did that play into that first night? Honestly, um, whenever it comes to advantages or secrets, uh, I, I try to be the least involved and the most removed from that scenario. I, I forgot that we bought that until you just told me that right now. <laughs> um, because now it's all coming back to me. Honestly, it was to a point where... Um, I wanted to make sure that I showed that I was tribe loyal. So I offered up all of my challenge books that I had for both the tarp and for the message. And, uh, I wanted to make sure that I, I felt like I was contributing, but I also, I didn't even really read the note. Like other people were reading the note to me or describing what we had to do. 
Um, I'm all about a person who believes that information is the strongest rather than the advantage itself. Um, so I just want to know what it was, who was going to have it, and how was it going to help me in the game, rather than me being obsessed with finding it, getting it, and using it. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that first night for you, like, strategy-wise? Did you build up anything significant that had relevance later in the game? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this this maybe just comes down to who I am as, as an individual or person, but... um. You know, my whole life, I've always kind of just been more naturally gravitated toward being uh, friends with women or, or wanting to um, work productively with them or, or whatever it is. Um, chalk it up to me being a teacher and, and, and being around, um, you know, 95 percent females. Um, but it's just always kind of been like maybe that's the, um, the demographic that I, that I prefer to interact work with. And so my main focus was to um, to get in good with the girls. And so that's why initially, like Tiffany, I had a good vibe on. And then um, night one, I was laying next to Meg and Mandy. And my goal was just to have as much productive conversation, ask them a lot of questions, um, start to earn trust and kind of uh, build that. Because I feel like with the guys, I can always kind of find my place, whether it's um, in the challenges or, or carrying my own and at camp or whatever it is. So I, I felt as though um, making sure that I had as, as, as good a connection with um, with Mandy, Megan and Tiffany was mainly um, the three I was focused on. Maddie, no offense to her. Um, I, I feel like she's just young enough to where Sometimes I, I'm intimidated by her and not knowing and how I need to respond to me. I'm almost double her age. And for me, it's like, I, I what a TikTok. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of, I, I feel like, I feel like just like I'm, I'm going to destroy myself because I, I'm so obsessed with the fact that I don't know who she is or how to be friends with her. But I, I was trying to be um, as cordial or close with her as possible, but I felt like it wasn't quite there. And that was probably on my end. Um, so I was really trying to bond as much with the, with the girls as possible because I, I've just never really known how to, how to be a guy's guy. And um, rather than trying to shoehorn myself into that situation, I, I think that it was best for me to kind of sit back and play the, play the cards I know how to play. So if we jump to um, Thursday morning, if you're ready to go there, William. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think I think I covered about everything I needed to cover there. Okay, Perfect. so you come out to the field, and there's two main pieces of information. We'll take them one at a time. One is the continued theme of challenge bucks and the fact that Thursday is all about challenge bucks. How, how did you process that information? Positive, negative, neutral? What, what were your thoughts? Um, if anything, it, it was neutral, leaning positive. Um, it's good to know that uh, we were going to get some sort of tangible reward, um, that especially a monetary type of reward, um, because I, I felt pretty confident in my ability just to be a good asset in challenges that I was never a nerve that I was like, Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get any challenge bucks and I'll be out of it. It was just a matter of making sure that I had some because, uh, and, and with physical currency in a game, you know, that's, that's information. And that's, um, something that hopefully you can, you can use to lobby later in the game. And so, uh, my goal was to make sure that I won challenge bucks, but not to, um, not to stand out too far as by way of making too many challenge bucks. And then, then that twist was introduced where that kind of definitely made me sure that I didn't want to be that person who, um, who got the most. Cause like I said, it's, I felt like it was a visual thing where we could um, mentally tally up how everyone was doing and have a good idea who would have the advantage. And I didn't want to be pegged as one of the people that might have it. Um, other, other than that, I, I was, I was thrilled because uh, in my mind, uh, 
challenge box was going to equal food at some point, and that's where my <laughs> mind was stuck most of the time. <laughs> food, because uh, I, I never found myself to be that reliant of a person. I wouldn't say that I was starving, but um, it was more of uh, the effects that the lack of food started to have on my mental game. Um, the physical game, it didn't have any effect, but um, boy, oh boy, it hit me in a way I didn't expect. And um, I, I was really hoping to get some of that when, when we were introduced to that. But other than that, I was I was pumped that it was challenge time because that that's one of the main things I love about Survivor. So back to that prep question that William asked for future contestants, maybe go a day or two without eating anything and try to do some puzzles, right? See how Absolutely. you feel. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, you never think of what it can do to your entire body at that point. <laughs> so so item number two of information first thing thursday morning is you aren't going to be on tribes you're going to be randomly shuffled from challenge to challenge and it's all about competing with whoever you end up with for these challenge books what what were your thoughts on that terror absolute terror there was there was no good to come from it you know what i mean like we, we already established that, um, you know, we had that initial tribe night and we all, I think all of us as the three groups kind of had our allegiance to those tribes that we were in. And then to think that we also had to be cordial, working with people, have a common goal and all of these challenges. It was, it was frustrating because in between every challenge, you had to go to that holding area where everyone could see everything happening and there's no easy way to have a subtle conversation. And, and so it was just, it, it became this mental gymnastics of you have to have a right combination of people around you to make sure you don't look sketchy, that you um, you can still be trusted by the people you trusted night one. And um, it, it was it was really exciting for me at the same time, but um, because I, I love challenges, I love the idea of getting to know people because I'm, I'm a social butterfly. I wanted to meet everybody in the cast. But um, knowing that it, it was going to compromise so much of our games at that point, um, there, there was a lot, there's a, there's a big rain cloud metaphorically, and, and I guess realistically for yeah. over. <laughs> did it affect the way you participated in challenges at all, or did you still approach them pretty much the same way? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, certain challenges, yes. Other challenges, no. Um, at the very beginning, I wanted to do very well. And then I think it was the first two challenges I got first place or my tribe, my group one. And that's when I was like, check yourself. Oh, no, it was the first and the third, because I believe the idol knocking over was the second challenge or something like that. But it was, it was enough for me to kind of say, you know, um, you got challenge bucks. You proved that you're going to have some currency in this game and that you're good at challenges. Like maybe we should just hit the default reset button. Just go back to, um, you know, moving your body, not moving it too fast or too slow. Um, unless I was in like, a, you know, trying to fight for third place, which, which I had done throughout the day. Um, but it was just kind of making sure that uh, that I also wanted to be paired up with the people I wanted to be paired up with. And to be honest, I, I got that most of the time in the challenges. And um, early on is when um, I also made my, my, my number one in the game with Mandy. Um, it was the second challenge, the idle hitting challenge that me and Mandy, um, she came to me and said, do you want to be my partner? And I was so glad she did because um, she was one of the, the, on the short list of the people I really wanted to work with and go far with. And so luckily she connected with me earlier in the day. And then um, we got to have enough conversations as the challenges went on that we, we made a, a pretty solid agreement that we were each other's number ones. I was just grateful that um, I got to establish that. Um, and I, I was very, I was very proud of the result of our duo too. the average placement out of this world. If you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I think I remember, yeah, I was, I interviewed you, um, for like a challenge confessional for that first challenge that you did with the slingshot and kind of put yourself out there and, um, did great, which is good. (laughs) Um, but I thought it was funny because I remember you saying you didn't want to like put yourself out there. And then the first thing you do is put yourself out there. That's, that's what's hilarious. Um, so we get into that challenge where it's like hitting targets. And to me, I kept thinking like, I can easily win this. I can easily sabotage this if I was going to be the tosser or the, the person with the, the slingshot. Um, so to me, you know, we're, we're kind of going through all the roles and uh, everyone's like, so who wants to do the slingshot? And uh, it was just crickets for like a solid minute. I remember looking around. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, no one's going to say anything. And we're all just like looking around. And everyone's like, oh, I'll, I'll be the I'll be the shagger. And it's like, that's great. We got someone to collect the dodgeball. And they're like, oh, I'll be the swimmers. It's like, great. Now the numbers are getting down to somebody having to choose this. And I remember very distinctly because it was like me and Kwu. I, I beat him by like a heartbeat. It's kind of like, I, I'll do it. Like, I don't mind doing it after um after that. And Kwu was like, I don't mind doing it either. And I was like, oh, God. It's like, now do I concede or do I just stand my ground? And so he kind of said like, oh, I mean, uh, you said it first. Uh, if, you, if you don't, I was like, well, I said that I'm confident after a long minute talk. <laughs> so it's like, so what do I do now? Like say I'm not confident, but I was like, I'll do it. Like whatever. Um, he didn't seem all in on it, obviously, because we were all waiting for someone else to talk. But to me, it was like, you know, screw it. This is uh, this survival challenge. This is the closest I'll get to be on Survivor. And it's the first challenge. Like, I, I was not worried after a day full of challenges that someone was going to remember the first challenge. And I don't think really anyone did. And, um, and so I was, I was pretty, I was pretty pleased with the results because it was something that I wanted to do. And, it, and uh, I, I won it for my group of 12 and it was a fantastic feeling. Interestingly enough, we've already talked to Stu and he'll tell a different version of that story. Oh, really? Uh, Stu? Yeah. <laughs> He said they they had the same conversation where nobody wanted to do it, and obviously he did, and it didn't work out so well. Uh And he thinks that uh, certainly wasn't the only reason for his demise, but he Yes, that that, that kind of set a bad tone for him, even if it was just in his own head. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. I guess for me – like I said, I've, I've always kind of been like um, just someone who steps up and been a leader and I, I'm willing to carry whatever loss that I, I can. And, and as uh, I, I learned later, as we'll talk about, I, I cannot carry losses as well as I thought I could. <laughs> but regardless of that, it was it was more to me of, um, you know, you know I, I think that I can dig myself out of this hole if I really get into it. But I, I really had confidence that I was going to be competitive in the competition. I knew that I could knock a few over. Um, I've just been one of those tactile people that learns things fast and seeing what I was going for. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to get, um, I guess, goose egged. Um, and I was glad Stu didn't either. It really, um, I hate to say a weight fell off my shoulders, but I liked Stu a lot and I still do. Lovely guy. Stu, what's up if you're listening? Um, it's just one of those moments of it would have broke my heart if I would have knocked over the last one and, and watch him kind of not have that opportunity to show that, that he could help his tribe out. And it's such a relief when he knocked over one of them. At the same time, it also lit a fire underneath me. And I, I was just grateful that, um, that we won the challenge as we did. Yeah. Without getting into the uh, specifics of any of those Thursday challenges, were there any people who either you were playing with or against who made an impression on you as 
either challenge competitors or, or any other way where you said, huh, this is somebody I got to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, uh, all of the people who are tryhards who are giving us their best, we're going to keep their eyes on them. They are not necessarily um, a worry for me because challenge beasts inherently exist on Survivor. And um, we, we, were, we weren't without it. So to me, it was not a matter of that, but it's more of a matter of making connections. And so to answer your question, um, one of the people who I, um, I, I had a great connection with that I wish it would have materialized into anything during the game was with Jamie. Um, I, I remember distinctly that Jamie was getting, um, he, he got a little worked up. I think at one of the challenges or, or something had happened where um, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. If, if it was um, that day one or day two or the day two or day three, but I do remember him just kind of like getting very frustrated and kind of getting inside his own head. I, I think it was that Thursday. And um, you know, I had the opportunity to do one of the challenges with him. Uh, I believe it was the the challenge where we had the billiard balls. I believe it was me, him, Caitlin, and and, uh, and Mandy. I think I, don't, I I can't exactly remember, but um, e- either way, I remember just having a great connection with him. And um, yeah, I remember when he when he got worked up that I just kind of um, I, I told him like you know you're, you're doing your best out here, and this this isn't anything for you to put on for anyone else. You know, be yourself, and and you know forget about whoever is trying to make you feel bad or not. I don't know. Put put you in the position that that got you here. And um, he had such a great reaction to it. And like I said about Tiffany, those those real moments where people really start to make those connections, um, that that's those are the people I want to gravitate toward. And I, and I wish that it would have um, somehow down the road been an opportunity for us to work together. But um, it's always good to have that door. And I, I'm very grateful to um, have that friendship with him through the game because um, he, he's such a great person. And uh, the way that he, he carried himself and handled himself is exactly how I know that I can um, handle myself as well. And um, you know, we, we have to be there to help each other and support each other. And I was, I was so grateful to, to have him in the game. Yeah. Cool. So one of the subtle things, um, we, we were moving you gradually from this one world, everybody for themselves towards the eventual establishments of tribes at the end of the day. So after we came back from our lunch break, you're just break. Um, <laughs> it, it was the first time. The fifth challenge was the first time you were cho- you had to divide yourself in new pairs. Um, was that easy for you, or what? What went through that process for you in terms of okay, I have to make my first public pronouncement here. Um, what am I going to do? So you're, you're referring to when we first got to consciously choose the people that we were paired up with. Yes. Okay. I'd mistaken it for earlier, but that was definitely the time where Mandy and I, um, that's, that's where Mandy approached me and said, uh, Hey, do you want to be my pair? And immediately I was like, yes, a thousand okay. times. Yes. Um, if, and that, yeah, go for it. If she would not have approached you, would you have approached her anyway? Eventually? Yes. Um, not to say that she wasn't at the top of my list, but, uh, I, as a teacher, I've always kind of been the person who, um, I don't know, I, I don't mind being picked last. I don't mind being the person that scooped up or the leftovers and having to, to work with whomever because it's not about being picked last. Um, honestly, I think there's more opportunity to grow, um, to work with people that you hadn't really chosen or, or maybe a situation that finds you two together. And so for me, it was, um, I was ready to sit back and let the fates kind of decide things for a second. And they did. And Mandy approaching me and, um, you know, that also speaks to the, the connection I was hoping to build with her the night before. And um, I, w- I was just grateful that she did that. Um, I think she was a little nervous because 
knowing how the challenges can be very physically oriented, I, I think that there was a little bit of hesitation on her end of um, fear of rejection, maybe. Um, and, and I kind of felt that, but at the same time, um, I, I was so grateful and so excited that she had asked me. And, um, like I said, that was just the, the, the very beginning of what would be a, a very dedicated, uh, duo that I would have with her until the end of the game. Mm. Was there, uh, people that, you know, we talked about people that you wanted to work with. Was there people that you were eyeing that you were probably wanting to stay away from? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, some of those challenge beasts, you know what I mean? Like, um, I guess to me, it's, I don't want to, um, I, don't know, I guess I don't want to have to feel like I have to rely on uh, somebody else or maybe feel like they're going to be the ones dominating because uh, one of the things that I really do, um, I really do not like that much, I guess, is uh, people who tend to dominate or not allow others to kind of have a role or um, maybe steamroll people. And uh, I, I kind of got that vibe early on from Devin. And um, it's, it's no knock on Devin at all. I, I think that's just his natural default sometimes since he is so, um, you know, physically just a beast. And, and he was good at everything. And then he had that, he, he did have that confidence that people should maybe fall in line a little bit behind him and I think for me, it was, uh, I, I'd rather have a cohesive group think than maybe, um, have to rely on one strength to be that, that, that opportunity to kind of carry us through. And, uh, I kind of got that vibe from him being on his tribe the first day is that he is that type of person that can, um, really make sure that, that his ideas are heard and does make sure that he's kind of heard first. And, um, like I said, that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, cause a lot of us have our natural default settings and, um, that's just something that I felt like I needed to navigate around and I, I prefer not to have to make that, uh, determination and rather just, um, work with people that I felt like would be more a collaborative, uh, group to work with. Moving that fast forward through, we get through the next two challenges. We go to break. And we come back to the infamous schoolyard pick. <laughs> so you all unfold your bandanas. Jamie and Kelsey and Jake M have the tribe color bandanas. So they're going to make their first selections. So you're all standing there in a line. Um, tell me, what do you remember thinking at that moment? Um, the very first thing I thought of was I was afraid for Jamie to pick me because um, it wasn't too much earlier that we had had our bonding moment. And um, it, it, I, I wanted to work with him and be on his tribe so desperately, um, but I didn't want to be his first choice uh, because I think it would have brought up more questions than it would have answered them. Um, and I, I never thought that he really was going to, but I, I did uh, whether it was subconsciously or actually try to lower my vision, hide behind people when he was making that first decision. Don't, um, don't make eye contact thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I believe, I believe Brad said it in this most recent season of survivor that, you know, if you feel the prey staring at you, it's kind of like, you know, you're being watched no way. Um, so it was very conflicting because I did want to be with him, but, um, you know, I had to rely on the idea that, um, I did have stronger bonds with people like, Patrick, Kwu, Mandy, Meg, um, the people that I ended up with, fortunately. I mean, I named them 
deliberately because that's who I ended up with. Not that I didn't have connections with everyone else, but um, I think that if I naturally would have let things play out rather than maybe, I don't know, manifesting Jamie to pick me, that it would be better off for me. And I, I think it did work out that way. But um, yeah, the, the round one pick I was most nervous for. And then after not being picked after like a few rounds, I was like, what am I chopped liver? Come on. Don't pick me. But uh, it's, it's also kind of relief. I'd rather be picked in the middle than first or last. Yeah. So, so Jake starts that follow pick order with K. Wu, who picks Patrick, who picks you. And these are all original reds from yesterday before. And then your pick with Mandy, you've, very much explained already. Yeah. Um, and then interestingly enough, you end up with Caitlin and Holly. I know. <laughs> I know. So, and, to me, and to me, are you kidding me? This is standing the, I, there, you're standing there in the back of the field, right? You can't have any input on that. And you're watching that happen. So what are you thinking? Dollar bills. Dollar bills. As I see them walking up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Not only do I have the majority in my favor, but I have the minority as an option if things really get crazy. Um, and that, that's what I was planning on doing is, is playing to um, – like I'd known Jake. I had heard his name before. I knew that he played a lot of orgs and he's done well. And, of course, I knew Holly and Caitlin. So, for me, it was like, sweet. So, I, if something does happen where I can flip somebody, you know, it's a little dicey this early on. But if we need to, that could happen. And also, if we do survive, then I can at least form some good bonds with them that I could work with them later on. And, and that was the plan the whole time was, um, was, was honestly, I, I'm still in awe how well that initial tribe <laughs> worked for me. Yeah, then, you could even end up with Megan as the last pick, which gives you the majority from the day before if you want to go that route. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the, the crazy part was it wasn't even attributed to um, Meg necessarily or the fact that, you know, she was last picked. Um I, th- I hate to say it, honestly, I think it's attributed to Jake Miller choosing, what was it, K-Woo that he chose first? Yeah. Yeah, when he chose K-Woo first, I was like, oh, this is a waterfall of picking the rest of uh, the rest of the people that we had worked together with the whole time. Um, and, and it just worked out kind of serendipitously that um, that Mandy didn't pick Meg and that she ended up coming with us because that was the um, that was the kicker we needed. And, and to see that she kind of ended up with us, it was best case scenario in my book. And I, I was just thrilled because I felt like I had a good relationship with Mandy and Meg and I had a very different positive relationship with Kwu and um, Pat. And I felt like it was a nice middle position to be in as well as having Caitlin, Holly and, uh, and Jake. I, I really don't know if I could have uh, planned it any better for myself. Yeah, so you, so you must have been feeling pretty good when you went back to camp that night, right? I had zero issues. I, I honestly, I, I don't want to get cocky, but a small part of me was like, I'd really have to screw up to be voted out in this drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it's. I mean, but it's it's fair though from the confessionals because uh, I was there for the confessionals on that night. Um, everyone really remarked liking you, um, and you know there was a lot of like popular people within that tribe. But honestly, I don't think there was a single person who said they disliked you. So um, regardless of where you fell on their picking order. You were always on the top half as far as like ones they wanted to work with. Yeah. And then that was a priority for me because, um, you know, I've always had to, I, I've, I don't know. It's, it's hard to play if you're, if you're up, um, if, if you're in the forefront, uh, for me, it was always, uh, I wanted to be in the middle. And that's why I also think I liked working with Mandy because she was so non-assuming and she was, um, a good person to play the middle with, uh, and, and I knew, I, I knew the entire time that Pat and Kwu 
had had a, like either a a ride or die situation or they had called each other like way better allies than me with anybody else, but they still included me in all their conversations. Um, at least the important ones about as far as voting and strategizing, but I knew that they had each other. And so for me, it was, you're going to let me into these conversations. I'm like, come on, get out of here. Are you kidding me? Like you're going to let me listen into all of your ideas and your, um, I mean, and I know that you're not with me all the way. It's like, what a better position of knowing how, how this tribe is kind of rolling out. And, um, I just felt so secure because not being the top dog is exactly the position I wanted to be in. So in the midst of all those good feelings, production shows up and says, we need you to split up. Some of you are going to go do a challenge. Some of you are going to auction. Some are staying back at camp. How did you guys decide who was going to do what? Oh, I was so famished at that point. I'm not sure if I could accurately tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> Honestly, and if I rolled out my list of regrets right now, um, that's me choosing to do the challenge is somewhere on this list. Um, you know, I like I said, I love puzzles. I love being a part of the challenges. I love having things right on my shoulders because I really don't mind um, having to be the person to take the fall if, if, if possible. But um I, I was not in a good state and the tribe knew it because right before I was, um, I was very low energy, low sugar, and I was really starting to, um, I had to lay down and, and the tribe was kind of worried about me and I, it wasn't anything to be worried about, but I knew that I needed to conserve whatever I had left to make sure that I had something in case we had a challenge. And, um, and then I spoke up and everyone was like, are you sure that you want to do the challenge? I was like, yeah, I want to do the challenge. And it was with K Woon Penn. I was like, how could we lose? We're a dream team. And then we, we lost Marac like just, just beautifully. <laughs> it was it was a shellacking. And um, you know, the whole time I kept thinking, like, what are you doing? Like, you just admitted how low you were as far as energy and needing time. And the fact that I was so adamant about wanting to participate, I, I think that was just one of the many decisions that I think um I don't know, started to cloud my own judgment of myself. Like I talked about that beginning of the podcast of um, knowing myself and being able to make sure that I play within my means. That that was one example where I definitely went outside of my means. And it was um, it, it was the beginning of a downfall of, of me uh, wanting, wanting to have a little bit more control, seeing that I, I didn't have complete control. And um, so I remember that that Pat and Kay, we immediately spoke up and then uh, Everyone else was kind of like on the fence, but I think Caitlin might have spoke up and said, you know, I could do the challenge or I could do the, uh, yeah, I could go and do the, uh, the, oh my God, I'm losing it. The uh, auction. The auction, thank you. Or she could do the auction. And um, I, I think to me, it was like, you know, I came out here to make sure that I had every valuable experience as possible. And that includes doing as many challenges as, as well as I could. And so I, I was the aggressor in this situation. And I said that I, I really wanted to participate. And um, I really regret that. I wish that I would have, uh, either stayed at camp or, or gone to the auction in hindsight. Did that put a black cloud? Personally for you, it sounded like that was your first real black cloud moment when you didn't win that you came back. Yeah. But, but did anything like you lost the challenge, Caitlin and Holly felt fought like hell at the auction to come back with what they did, but that didn't go very well for them either. Um, did you get any sense of that? Like, hey, this felt really good, but maybe not as much as I thought? Or were you still kind of riding the high of having everybody there in place in terms of who you'd like to work with? Um, honestly, it was it was the highest of highs going back to camp after the challenge. 
Um, I, I'm not sure. I like what, what blew my mind was after that challenge was over, I was so upset at myself for, I, I was definitely the, the weakest link in that challenge. And, um, for whatever reason it was, whether it was the puzzle itself or, or where my body and mind were at the moment. Um, but it, it kind of came to myself where I was so mad at myself for letting the team down so obviously in that sense. And I kicked my bag like, like at least like 20 yards after the challenge was over. And I was so stuck thinking that everyone saw my tiny temper tantrum that I was embarrassed of my immediate reaction. But it turns out nobody saw it. Like, of <laughs> course, like it's a main character type of syndrome where it's kind of like, oh, everyone saw me act like a baby. It was like, no one's like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I think that having, uh, we had a good like 30 minutes to, you know, decompress because uh, we were the last tribe to go back, making sure the other tribe, you know, kind of got back to their camp safely. And so I kind of got to calm down and Pat was uh, just beautiful support throughout the entire time that I would have my, my moment like that. And um, he made me feel a lot better. K Wu was just such a, a great guy too. And he had so many positive things to say and you know how this really didn't matter. And, and they really kind of got my, um, the pep in my step. But if you ask me, um, I, I was, I was betting on the fact that we would get zero things from that auction. And so to see anything and then yeah. we got to walk back and there was a fire roaring as soon as we came back and to know that we had a fire and we had food, everything had, had turned around in my book and I was ready to turn the other cheek and, uh, kick ass the next day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. Holly, Holly and, and Caitlin are so tenacious and I knew that they would have done everything. And I wish that I could see that auction to be perfectly honest. So I hope that that's featured in the, in the YouTube edit. I'm sure some of it will, but I'll yeah, it's, it's out there on the uh, Facebook page. Can, oh yeah. You, you, yeah. You can see it there. Perfect. Well, I'll watch that after this, but um, I, I knew that they were going to do right by us. And um, th- that left Mandy and Meg back at camp, I believe. Um, oh, and Jake. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think Jake went to the auction, but um. Uh, I honestly, I, I don't even, I, I think that something happened while all of us were gone between those three. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that tells the whole story. The fact that you don't know what it is tells sure. me. Yeah. Because it, it was a non-issue. Oh, okay. <laughs> Perfect. That's good to know. Yeah. The, the I, thing was they, they got to look for a hidden box with tokens and then got the opportunity to trade those for information and the information would have been to know what had happened at the auction in terms of what items were there so if somebody came back and was lying they would have known that Um, but your circumstances didn't play out that way so for your tribe it became a non-issue oh good well then a non-issue it was. <laughs> I remember, I remember Mandy. Being, I mean, being my my number one, I knew that she was going to tell me everything that uh, I needed to know. And same with uh, her through me. And uh, knowing that she didn't tell me anything of substance, I was like, okay, I don't need to put any energy into this or worry about something. God forbid. Um, so it was kind of nice just to be able to, um, you know, we cooked a little rice, huddled around the fire on that cold night. And I think if anything, it just felt like a victory having fire because um, that night was so cold. And I think by the end of the night, we were all huddled around that fire and, and thank God for it. And Mandy um, creating that for us. But it, it definitely just changed everything in about, you know, two hours. Yeah. So you already kind of had a good spot and knew where you stood that night. Did you see any subgroupings starting to try to form that first night? Um, from my observations, uh, it felt like uh 
Pat and Kay Wu were also trying to play a similar game with Meg on the other side. I'm okay. trying to loop her in for like a three. So I was just trying to keep my eye on that and making sure that uh, I was still being looped into conversations because sometimes they would group in all four of us without Mandy or sometimes it'd be all five of us. Um, honestly, I, I wasn't too concerned because um, I was in enough conversations that I felt that uh, I either would know or I would know that I didn't know um, if they were sharing something with me. But my, my goal was to keep Holly and Caitlin as close to me as possible um, to make sure that I was encouraging um, them to... Uh, I don't keep talking with me and keep working and so that we can um, somehow work late game together. And so that was my main focus was making sure that I was, I was covering that side of the tribe. Did you have a chance to clear the air with those two and kind of say, okay, Hey, we all know each other. What's this going to look like? Or did you not even want to go there? Oh yeah, of course. Um, it, it took a long time for me and Caitlin to finally have a conversation about knowing each other. <laughs> Um, I think it was when we were going to pick up sticks or, or some sort of fire gathering, but um, it, it was good to um, finally get to have that with Caitlin and kind of like get to talk to how she's doing and how, you know, how things have been for her after the game that we had just played together. Um, and then Holly, it was more or less just kind of under our breath. Um, and then um, the next day is when I really started to lean on Holly once uh, Caitlin and Jake were gone. Um, because uh, I, I knew how good Holly was with connections. And I wanted to make sure that I was giving Holly enough information to show her that I wasn't bullshitting her and that um, late game that I was someone that she could have relied on earlier in the game. And um, so that's really what it came down to for me was, was making sure that, uh, you know, we, we, we put those pleasantries aside, like, Hey, it's really nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And then kind of, um, you know, start, start to step it up a notch and make sure that we, we had, that I had some sort of plan with them and to know that, that I'd be open to working with them. All right. Well, um, is that all for day two before we move on to day three? Yeah, that's, that's where I wanted to end up right there. Yeah, it's good for me too. All right. Well, coming into day three, things get a lot more real as we go from having the fun reward challenges to the, uh, immunity challenges. So like describe that feeling for you as far as the vibe of that day compared to the day previous. A 180. Um, it went from fun and games to life or death <laughs> very, very quick. Um, it was a matter of, um, making sure that on that day, um, you know, I had three strikes on immunity challenges and I was looking right at them with Jake, Caitlin and Holly. And I hate to make it sound so, um, so trivial or insignificant because, um, cause they weren't, but you couldn't help but notice that we had the five to three advantage. And there was a little bit of solace knowing that, um, this early in the game, I don't think people were going to take a lot of chances. And if it was anybody, it's going to be me. Um, so I guess for me at that point, it was more of a, don't screw this up. You only have so many people to get rid of until you start eating each other alive. Um, and so that, that was the main thing for me was, um, give it your all. But um, if you lose, it's not the worst thing until it is. <laughs> Before you even got to come to the field for the first challenge, you have that offer presented in terms of using your challenge bucks to bid on things. Did, did you guys talk about that as a tribe at all in terms of do we have an approach or is everyone just going to do their own thing? What did that look like? I mean, we had the tribe talk, which was very uh, – you know, we danced around an option and, you know, Holly is, Holly is so tactful and, and, and such like a in your face way. And that's what I just love about her is that Holly, I think might've been one of the people and I may be, maybe misplaced in this scenario, 
but it definitely would have rung true for her is that she's the type of person saying like, I know y'all got the majority, but you know, if y'all want to work with me, let me know. I'll be over here. Blah, 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 blah. And, um, it was an opportunity for us to kind of be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, knowing that we do have a five here and that we may work together. And, um, as soon as we had the opportunity for us five to talk, I believe that we all went into a recess somewhere in our, uh, in our campsite and pulled together all of our tokens for somebody to, uh, to make sure that we got the advantage. Okay. And, um, and I, like I said, from the start, um, I was happy to have currency and I lied to people about how many challenge bucks I had, but I was saying stuff like, you know, I can give you all my challenge tokens, which is four challenge bucks. And, um, I think I might've had like six or seven, but it's, it's enough to think that, you know, if I show that I'm selling out as much as I can and owning up to it, um, or I guess owning up to my lie and the fact that I, I did give them what I told them I'd give them, but it was, it was just good enough to where, um, I, I'm willing to do everything for the tribe and to show them that loyalty. Um, especially because I, I'm, I'm attempting to play any options on the other side. So I wanted to per- give that perception of loyalty as much as I could. And, um, so I, I gave them, I said, like, I'll give you everything you want. Like, how much do you think that we should offer? Should we hold on to some? And we kind of went through all of that. And then we planned the order that we would walk out. Um, in which I believe we sent the three that weren't a part of our trio, or maybe we split up a little bit so that the last few, we could really make sure that we had our plan set in place and that we could talk openly about it in front of everyone. And um, I do remember there being a coordinated effort. I I forget exactly who it went to or how it went down. But like I said, it was more about um, making sure that I would somehow be looped into that information rather than needing to know the specifics of it. And and then one of those other three didn't end up winning it. Oh, really? Right. I mean, that that was the whole thing. Like you weren't so concerned which one of you five majority won the advantage as long as Jay Colley or Caitlin did. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. It was it was a matter of just making sure that it was it was on our side, so to speak, the the five majority that we had. And um, I I knew that they were helpless in some way because, um, I mean, we all saw the challenges that they won and didn't win. And, uh, you know, as confusing as keeping track of it was, I don't think that any of us saw the three of them having enough challenge bucks or being able to pool enough to make a, a wave out of this. I, I was pretty confident we were going to get what we wanted there. So you get into the first two immunity challenges and Holada loses both of those. Um, <laughs> and their downward spiral begins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anything change for you as the first couple of challenges play out in terms of how you're looking at things or pretty much still same, same pecking order, no reason to do anything different? Um, it was more or less the same pecking order, but I was doing everything in, in my, everything that I could to make sure that Caitlin wasn't the, the name being tossed around. Um, like I said, I, I knew Holly and Jake well enough, um, that it's fine if, if they got to uh, stick around too, but, um, you know, I had such a good bond with Caitlin in the last game that I played that she was really the priority for me to make sure that, that she stuck around because, uh, whether she would have backstabbed me or not worked with me later, I knew that she would have, um, she would have been honest with me up to a point in the game. And that's more than I could have, uh, I'm more, more than I could have got through Jake or through Holly. Um, so whatever I was that I was jockeying to make sure that I spoke good about Caitlin that, um, you know, I was trying to subliminally tell people like Caitlin's really good at puzzles. You know, maybe she can help us win some challenges down the road. Uh, you know, Caitlin's good at X, Y, Z. Caitlin's really has a good affect. And, um, Jake Miller was really starting to have a woe is me, um, whether he knew it or not. But I, I think the more that he, um, recognized that he was in the minority, he really started to have this, um, 
just a little bit of a negative veil over over him and uh that's that's honestly what really started to um I don't know, maybe give me an opportunity to say, man, Jake really seems out of it. He can tell he's in the minority. Like maybe it's just best if we kind of pull the trigger and get rid of him. Um, and so if anything, it was just an opportunity for me to make sure that um, the people I wanted to keep longer in the game were in the game longer. But uh, as we're about to find out, that is the exact opposite. Of what <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the fire making challenge. Oh, God. <laughs> Or lack of fire-making challenge, as I was calling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just a continued plug for all you future players. Please use Flint at home and uh, <laughs> know how to make a fire. Um, but anyway, um, I also want to bring up, as that's playing out, this is occasion for Kwu going back to the message in the bottle from night one, Yeah. to feign his drowning in the pond yeah. in order to gain an advantage. Were, were you and others aware of what was going on there? Kwu did tell me. I'm not sure who else he told. I'm pretty sure he told the Alliance 5 because uh, it would have been painfully obvious after the fact. Yeah. That he did that. Um, and to be honest, after he said it, I was like, yeah, go do it, Kwu, because it's like better you than me. Um, <laughs> you can have all the advantages and idols you want, but A, I don't want to be the person that's flopping in the water. B, I knew that other people would know what he was doing because uh, either people from our original tribe would know or other people would have snuffed out the clue. And uh, C, um, you know, I, I don't know. I was just excited to know that uh, that we might have some sort of an advantage among the inner circle of alliance that I had going on. And that was just uh, thrilling to know that we would have something maybe if, if it worked out. But I was all for it. I was like, you go do it. And I'm rooting for you the whole time. And I'm going to pretend like, are you okay? Like what's going on? <laughs> but I, I was so thrilled that he spoke up to do it. Cause I was like, I don't want to do it. I, I knew that people would pick me out and I don't need a bigger target on me ever in these games. So you guys lose that. And you know, you get the infamous, infamous, you have a date with me at tribal, which mm-hmm. leads to that 10 minutes of crazy. Um, what, what was that like the, for the first time for you? Was there, a lot of scrambling or was it just now activating the, the pecking order? Well, um, this is the one time of this season where I wished it would have been a rushed tribal. Like it had been, we actually had somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour to make the decision. I believe it was a lunch break or something going on because we got sent through. Uh, Yes, you're right. Uh This was, this was the carryover. So you had all of lunch break. Yeah. And, um, this, this, um, if, if it would have been a 10 minute tribal, um, that tribal and the rest of the game would not have rolled out the way that it did. Um, so I remember you were releasing us after the challenge one by one to go to some sort of, uh, on a holding area, uh, in the back, um, I guess along, along the initial path that we ran down the first day, but it's somewhere back there um, where they were just holding us. And um, I remember we went one by one. And uh, as I was walking, I believe the people that were already there were Pat, Kwu, and uh, Mandy, or maybe it's just Pat and Kwu. But, um, you know, I'd gotten to know Pat so well um, that I knew that he was already thinking about everything because, um, you know, whether I liked it or not, he was definitely the the kingmaker. He was the caller. He was the person that was um, finalizing all the plans, signing off, you know, presidential veto power, whatever you want to call it. He had it all. Um, and so I knew that he was in front of me and I, I kept thinking as I was walking, I said, how do I, how do I 
lean away from Caitlin and try to push Holly or Jake. And I kept thinking as I was walking too, and I decided to kind of go with um, the Holly angle because I felt that Jake was um, somebody that they weren't really wild about because I tested those waters earlier. And so I was ready to kind of say, you know, maybe we should go for Holly. You know, she's a huge social threat. Um, she's, she's good at this. You know, she's going she's gonna to go far if we let her. Um, and I walked up and, um, and I think uh, Pat had said to me, either, either Jake or Holly, but I was worried he's going to say Caitlin. And I think he said Jake, but he's like, hey, what do you think of Jake? I was like, I'm in. Um, why would I not be in? And why would I say no to you <laughs> at the same time? Like, I'm not going to say no to Pat because I, I feel like that, that'd be a, a curse if I did something like that. <laughs> and so just a wave of relief went over me because I kept thinking, perfect. Um, there's not going to be much to talk about with them. So all we have to do is go to tribal and, and vote Jake and then we're done. Um, and then we had all of this time. And then what happened was that um, Pat decided that he was going to let Holly and Caitlin know that we were choosing to write Jake's name down, um, which to me is very old school survivor. I felt like it was a little uh, tactless in a, in a way. I don't, I don't want to say it wasn't. I mean, I, I knew where he was coming from. He wanted to make sure that we were stronger going forward. But to me, it was like, I, I don't think that that's something necessarily that um, that we have to be so transparent about that we feel as though that we are the overlords looming something of, a, of an order to them. Um, because I knew that it could come across that way. And um, I didn't get to be involved in that conversation for whatever reason. And uh, I wanted to be because I, I have a I have a good friendship with Caitlin outside of the game. And um, he had come back to me and said to me, Caitlin didn't take it well. And she basically said, why don't we vote out Holly? And he's like, I didn't like that. So maybe we should switch the vote to Caitlin. And that's when I kind of went into Mayday mode. Um because the more time that we had, the more time that Pat had to rally people together and convince them, you know, Caitlin's not being, uh, you know, she's not, she's not beaten to our drum. Maybe we should get her out of here because Holly's in uh, anybody but me mode. And um, as I'm currently debating all of this with Pat and I think Mandy and Kaywoo or whoever happened to be there, Holly comes over um, to interrupt our conversation and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that Jake and Caitlin are friends outside of this game. They played a game together, blah, 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 blah. And of course, I'm starting to unravel because I'm like, has she said this about me? <laughs> and I could easily say this about all of you in this tribe. And so the fact that she was playing that card to me felt like um, now I don't know what to do because now that her hand was shown, um, I feel like I have to own up to whatever I can to make sure that the tribe sees that, or the, that the, the five alliance sees that I'm, I'm loyal to them. And um, so as soon as she comes over, of course, Pat eats it up. And he's thinking, okay, so we got to get rid of one of them. So that kind of solidifies our decision. So we'll, we'll, we'll vote Caitlin out. And um, all the while, I'm sitting there just writing, knowing that they are making a decision that was finalized based on the fact that Caitlin and Jake knew each other and that we had to split them up. Um, I mean, I don't think Caitlin did anything wrong there. I don't think that her saying that, you know, we should keep Jake was a wrong decision. I think that she's totally entitled to have a say in a vote. And she should. Um, I just think that she said it to the wrong person. And that, yeah. that Pat, Pat was the person that was ready to um, put his foot down and say that he was kind of, like I said, uh, he, he had a very authoritative way, but he made it sound as though like we were all executives on the same board as he was and that we were all going to, you know, jump into the, the idea together. Although that wasn't quite, wasn't quite the picture that I, I had seen. And then I got called for a confessional and back with that, uh, with Michael. I remember that um, I got emotional during that confessional because I it said like, what does the vote look like? You know, what are you thinking? 
And I, I told them that uh, I think the vote is a, is about to officially land on Caitlin. And um, I'm going to go over there and admit to them that I know Caitlin and that um, they're going to have to consider that when considering this vote too, because if she's going to be voted out because of it, maybe I can save her for it. Um, and so I went back to them as soon as the confessional was over and uh, I, I told them, I said, Hey, I wanted you to know that um, I know Caitlin pretty well. We played a game together and it's not fair for you to judge voting her out based on her and Jake's connection. Cause I can guarantee there's a lot of people here with, with more connections. And so I told him, I said, I'm keeping that in mind. Um, if that wants to make you vote for Caitlin more, I will happily write her name down. I'm not happily. I, I, I was not happy about it. I told him I'd begrudgingly write her name down because she's a good friend of mine. But I said, you know, there is value to knowing that um, if we save Caitlin and the friendship that I have with her, that we can really utilize her down the road. And I really tried to pitch to get rid of Holly because um, I, I really felt like Holly, the way that she was already scrambling, she was going to be a bigger problem than she was help. And, um, and that, that was the, um, that, that was the pitch that I gave them. And I remember it was Mandy and Pat that I was talking to. Cause I remember locking eyes with Mandy and kind of telling her I was sorry, because as my number one, I didn't divulge that information to her. I, I didn't want to, um, because I, I knew that it would, it would unleash a, a levy, I guess, of, of all of the connections that people might own up to, or, or maybe I'd start throwing people under the bus about the connections I knew they had. Um, regardless, um, Pat had said, uh, well, I think we should get rid of Caitlin. And I think, uh, I think we're all kind of set on her. And I said, I, I'm going to write her name down with the rest of you. Cause I'm, I'm loyal to you five. And, uh, that was, that was, uh, that was really crappy. And, um, I, I really hate that that's how it rolled out. And I wish that I could have been more, but, um, I, I didn't know how to be more without making it worse for my game. And that's the crappy part about having friends in a game like this. Yeah. Um, is, is not knowing how to do the damage control. And, um, it, it was, it was the most painful route of the game for me. And I, um, I wish I would have done more, but at the same time, I, I don't know what collateral damage would have come with it. So the, the Caitlin vote happens. We come back, we have the, uh, vile vittles challenge. <laughs> you were looking for some food. You finally got it. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is you guys are immune again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time to recover from that challenge, I guess. Right. I said, and, yeah. and then you arrive at what we alluded to earlier, the infamous mirror image challenge. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so there's there's a little bit of story from the challenge beforehand, the, the vile vittles or whatever it was called. Yeah, give um, it to us. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a vegetarian, and I told people day one, I'll do anything. I'll hang upside down. I'll bungee jump. I will, you know, I'll, I'll you know, swim blindfolded. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be the person that gets pegged with stuff, whatever what pressure you want to put on me. But I told them, I was like, I'm not doing the eating challenge. I, I've, I've been a vegetarian my whole life, and um, there's there's a lot of food groups that don't agree with me because of it. Um, especially anything that is anything close to a meat or anything that, um, you know, meat is usually brined in or, or kind of mixed with or anything that is, um, I don't know. I, I just, I had no confidence that I would be any help in the challenge. And so I, I kept telling them that, that that's my one weakness. And as soon as the challenge popped up, I looked at them and I was like, whatever I can do to get out of this challenge, I owe it to you on the next challenge. And boy, oh boy, was that not the wording I should have chose? <laughs> I should have just stuck to keep me out of this because I told them like, I'll, I'll, I'll lead the next challenge. I'll do whatever you want me to do. 
And then we get to that uh-huh. next challenge. And, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh, and then we the puzzle and everything else. And everyone looked at me. I'm not even kidding. Like everyone just dead. eye looked at me and they're like, so you're doing the puzzle. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, Does anybody else want to? And of course crickets. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I, after, after knowing how poorly I did in that stair step puzzle, um, during the auction, I, I realized that, um, that maybe dexterity and like rotational or symmetrical types of puzzles where I have to think my brain differently doesn't quite work in my favor. And immediately my heart is racing. Cause it's like, if it's a regular puzzle, great word puzzle done number puzzle. I am in like every other puzzle. I'm totally fine with like jigsaws. I can solve in seconds. As soon as I saw what it was, I was like, ah, <laughs> we're going to tribal. Most likely. <laughs> um, I, I was so nervous and um, my God, that was the most stressful moment of the entire survival challenge for me. Um, I, I didn't know how to think. I didn't know um, my, my dexterity was so poor with that mirror and to have two blindfolded people holding up the mirror, um, they just kept, they would, they would shift ever so slightly that um, my vision would be obs- uh, obscured or it would be blocked. And, um, and then the anxiety just ramps up and it's just like, Oh God. Oh no. And then um, I'm sure as people might see later on, it was a snowball effect for the ages. I, um, I, I melted down to put it lightly <laughs> and yeah. then it was, yeah, it, it was, it was awful. And I know, was Chris, Chris was another one who was doing it. I forget who the third person was. It was Joe. It was Joe. Joe. Okay. But this was one of those, I've described these moments to William. They happen a couple times a season where, as the host, I actually feel bad for the contestants. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was one of them because all three of you had at least one or two moments where I could just see your face with this complete blank expression. Like, I don't even know what to do next. Right. And, and as the host, I feel somewhat obligated to say that, but then there's the human side of me that doesn't want to make your situation even worse. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was quiet probably more than I normally would be for this challenge, just hoping that something would click oh. for, for somebody so that this thing could go forward <laughs> because it was so awkward for a while as you know, people get one or two pieces in, I'd be like, oh, Chris has got two pieces. And then all of a sudden it was three minutes later and he still has two pieces yeah and uh yeah i just felt bad for all of you but you in particular had that look of uh-huh. exasperation <laughs> that uh-huh. was unmistakable <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things like i tell you I, I have puzzles on my desk i've got four survivor puzzles over on the counter next to me like i love this stuff and to know that it was such a vulnerable and um frightening and <laughs> And what felt like impossible puzzle for me to figure out um, was also demoralizing. And that's when um, it becomes bigger than uh, just losing. It becomes more of um, what are they going to think of me? Uh, I am now no longer an asset to this tribe. Um, I'm sending us to tribal and the preservation plan that I had is already falling through the cracks. Um, It it just kind of became one of those. um, my, My mind works faster than I'd like it to. And um, I couldn't focus on that puzzle. I was thinking about the tribal council yeah. the whole time because at a certain point, the, those puzzle pieces were such an amoeba blob <laughs> that, 
they, they didn't lock in and have that satisfying click like I wanted in a puzzle. And um, it was such an obscure image of this rope being tangled around that um, to have to visualize what I think the puzzle looks like and then to have everything in reverse with your hands and to think that down is up and up is down when you're moving puzzle pieces, it was hard for my brain to communicate with my hands while I'm also thinking you're letting them down. Who's going to go? Who's going to go after that if you have to go to tribal again? And um, it, it, it was just, uh, it, it was it was demoralizing. And to know that Chris was doing the puzzle next to me, and I think Chris had been the first to solve every puzzle we had completed so far in the challenge, um, it, it just brings you to that level of, I'm up against the best, and um, now I have no confidence in my ability to beat him. <laughs> and so it was it was just one thing after another, and it just kind of felt like uh, it, it was it was one of the uh, hardest mental experiences I've had in my life. Well, when I see you in Macomb this summer, if if you would like to, we could drag this back out and offer you redemption. But that's Keep it as far away as possible. Burn it. I <laughs> see that puzzle. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Anything but that. I'm not even kidding. Anything but that puzzle. <laughs> so you guys go. You got. You guys lose that challenge. And and based on what you were just telling me, like you you had told them you owe them one from the gross food contest. You step right. up. You don't you don't do well. So there's that. You had also owned up to the fact that you knew Caitlin. Correct. Um, you also had Holly kind of starting the turmoil by calling out relationships. Yeah. And and yet this vote ends up being Jake. Yeah. How'd that play yeah. out? <laughs> Honestly, um, I think it really was that uh, Jake Jake really had given up, um, whether he had known it or not. Um, he didn't try to scramble. He didn't try to come up with scenarios, ways that he could help us later in the game like Holly did. His body language, shoulders were slumped, head was kind of down. Um, he was only responding with like one or three word answers with, yeah, I guess so. And um, it just kind of felt like, how are we going to work with him next round if he's acting this way right now? And so, unfortunately, I think voting Caitlin out was um, maybe a little bit too much for him looking at the writing on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was as clear as he saw it because um, I think if he would have given us any life or had given the energy that he had night one with that original Blue Tribe, I think we easily could have said, you know, we don't need Holly because Holly is a, a threat. Yeah. And Holly is going to do whatever she can to stay in this game a, a round longer. And I think that we would have said that Jake is someone that needs us. But um, he, he didn't give enough, at least to the people that needed to hear it. I would have been open to voting Holly out at that point. Um, but uh, I, I think that he, he unfortunately started to dig his own grave. And then it was uh, such a short period of time we had to reflect that it was, it was all but him. So after this, this is where we have the infamous triple tribal, which unfortunately you could not avoid because everyone's going to tribal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like once you got to this point, you know, you mentioned how the other two kind of found themselves on the outs. The next obvious boot would be Holly and just Mm -hmm. the way it broke down. Yeah. She ended up finding immunity. So I imagine this must have been a pretty crazy point for your tribe to figure well, out. Yeah, I've got, I've got a lot to say about this particular round because yeah. um, so leading up to it, I think we had a break where we actually got to go back to camp or something like that. Yeah. Um, and surrounding that break, um, we all knew Holly was on the outs. Um, and then we all knew that we'd have to start eating each other alive if we had to go to tribal again after that. Um, and so what my plan was, 
was to um, start to sow doubt with Pat um, because I saw Pat as um, such a clear orchestrator that I think it would have been easier for me to start to paint a target on his back, whether it was for this game or late game. Um, but it kind of got that opportunity where um, Megan was left alone at camp. And I think that she kind of felt like, well, I got nothing. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm on the lowest end of this totem pole of the five. And I, I pulled her aside and I said, I'd be, I'd be happy voting Pat out. I told her, I was like, I think I can get Mandy. And I think that if you voted with us and if we needed to, um, we could uh, keep Kwu close to us because both of us really liked Kwu. And um, I was like, you know, Pat's really making a lot of the shots. He's um, kind of having his way with the game. And I think that uh, we have the power to overthrow him whenever we need to. And so um, then I saw Kwu find the idol as I was collecting wood with him, as I was having conversations. He was like, hey, Carrot, hold this pile of wood. Then he climbed up, untied the idol, and... Uh, you know, I saw him put it in his pocket and I was like, great information, great timing for me to get that. And so immediately I went over to Holly. And I was like, hey, uh, blah, 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 late game if we want to work together. And I told her, I was like, Kebu has the idol just to kind of show you that um, I am going to share as much with you as I can. I told her that um, if we get an opportunity to somehow swing this vote, I'd be happy to swing it on to Pat um, because I didn't know what was to come in the next round. And so my, my intentions really were to try to go after Pat that round. Um, if if things kind of worked out differently. Um, and then we go to that challenge, um, the individual challenge. I ended up winning that challenge and getting an advantage at the end of it. Um, and, uh, you know, time was my biggest enemy in this game, whether it was too much of it or not enough of it. Um, because I hardly had a moment to read what the advantage was, to understand what that advantage meant, and then to use that advantage later. Um, so I believe, I honestly, I still have the advantage, but I can hardly remember what it was. But one of the items was, um, you know, someone is going to win immunity and you can take that immunity away from them. And um, I didn't think twice about what that meant. I'm like, All right, individual immunity, what's new about that? But um, I kind of figured it was for late game. I didn't think that it was going to be so uh, close around the corner. And then the whole, um, the lobbying happened where we got to give an idol to uh, anybody from other tribes. I, I got a lot to say about that too. Um, I, I, I really tried to tell everyone that, uh, you know, cause we were listening to the pleas and we heard Landon's pleas about having to, uh, you know, keep me around. I'm on the owls, blah, blah, blah. And then people were also sharing, well, Landon told us you have two idols or you have an idol or something. And, you know, my tribe was like, Ooh, I love the drama. Let's, let's uh, vote for Landon. I'm like, why? It's like, why would we do that? Like we should vote for anybody but Landon so that he can get an idol out of the game if he really has one. And if not, then boom, a challenge threat gone from the game. I was like, why are we, why are we giving into this decadence when really we can get rid of a threat or get rid of an advantage? And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of lost out on that. I, I think I voted for, um, Stephanie to get the, uh, uh, the protection, but didn't, didn't go anywhere. Um, then Holly said her speech and I think she kind of realized that, um, everyone realized that what she'd said was correct. Yeah. <laughs> what, what upsets me the most is that I didn't think to take the immunity away from Holly based on the advantage I just won because um, I had just gotten it, didn't have time to think about it. I was sure as hell was not going to pull it out in front of everyone and reread it because I hardly remembered what it said. Um, and, and that's that's on the list of regrets that I that I uh, had mentioned earlier is that I would have taken it um, that that individual immunity away from Holly if, if I would have uh, thought about it a little bit longer. Um, but once she had got it, um, I remember the conversations broke out as soon as possible. And uh, Meg pulled me aside. And she's like, were you, were you for real about what you said about Pat back at camp? I was like, I am. And she's like, great. I'm going to try to get Holly. 
Pat is in Holly's ear with Kwu. Then Holly comes back over to me. I'm like, so what are you leaning? And she's like, I don't know. What are you doing? I'm like, well, I'd like to get Pat out of here. And she's like, I could do that if we have the numbers. Uh, and that's when Mandy ran over to me and Mandy was like, they're voting me out. They're voting me out. They're going to get rid of me. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can tell they're going to get rid of me. And I'm trying to be a good, um, a good, um, uh, you know, duo with her. And I'm trying to calm her down. Be like, no one said your name to me. I mean, granted, they know that we're close, but, um, I don't know how they'd have the numbers. Like Meg didn't say it. Holly didn't say it. And I had immunity. So of course I got to have the, uh, the pleasure of, of a little bit of confidence behind what I was saying. Um, and it just all happened so fast that I told her, I was like, I think we can get Pat out. And she's like, no, 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 it's too risky. I don't think people would vote for us. I think they're going to throw some votes onto me. And then, um, you know, they're going to put some votes on Megan, but I think it's going to be me. And I was like, I don't, I don't know where you're hearing that. And I think that um, somebody must have spun something in Mandy's head to make her think that way. Cause I'd never seen a girl so convinced that something was for sure happening. And, um, and, and it worried me so much that I said, I'll, I'll write Megan's name down with you just to make sure she goes home. Because I think Kwu walked up to said, I'm, I'm writing Megan's name down, even though he didn't really want to. And I think that's why um, Mandy had the reservations. But um, I don't know if, if I had a little bit more time, God, time. Um, if I had a little bit more time, option A was to take community away from Holly, get her out of the game and change the entire course of this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and B is to um, fight a little bit harder with Megan to get Pat out. Because, um, you know, Pat made a deep run, too. And I think that... Um, it really would have opened up relationships and forced people to play differently if he would have left there. But unfortunately with the, um, the amount of time we had and the freak out that occurred, it was just not, not the option that we had to take. You know, I just went back and pulled up the, um, the wording that's in your note. Um, and I remember us talking about this multiple times with production. It was the first time we were introducing it at a multi-stage advantage where the person that won it, had three different opportunities to play it. And the biggest concern we had was exactly the one you voiced, was your first opportunity was almost imminent, right? You you got the thing in your hand, and the block, the immunity thing was right around the corner. Yeah. And in my notes here, it says, the contestant lasting the longest in the pre-swap mini challenge who received the block advantage publicly. Be sure to emphasize, read this now to whoever wins. <laughs> um, so I hope I did that. But even doing that, like you said, with the pace and you, you don't want to just keep dwelling on it in front of everybody. Um, it was potentially game changing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if it would have been worded slightly to be a little more obvious that it was about to come up, that maybe it would have triggered. But um, I, I had had a rush from winning immunity and being ushered off to this triple tribal that I think that um, I, I really kept thinking like, oh, this is a merge type of advantage, not a current advantage. Yeah. The word said at some point a contestant will be given immunity without winning a challenge or playing an idol. Yeah. The thought was that... That's such an unusual circumstance that as soon as it pops up, hopefully it would trigger, oh my gosh, this must be the thing they were talking about. Yeah. But in the heat of everything else going on, and and from a production point of view too, the original game design had you guys coming back to do that tribal council at night. Uh, uh. And all day long, we're watching the weather forecast, and it's basically saying by 5.30, you're under a tornado watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
we all day long you you wouldn't have felt it but we were jamming everything down we were cutting time out of everything rushing and we were trying to get through all the events of this day so we could get you guys tucked into camp safely before the weather hit so if anything the already crazy schedule probably got even a little more compressed which certainly didn't help you with your dilemma with that note. Yeah. If I remember correctly, like I, you did tell me to read it immediately and I, I did kind of sneak off, I think with William and uh, read the note out loud. But I think that things were moving so fast that by the time I had read the note, nearly all of the contestants were headed toward, or, um, you know, on that path to the, uh, the, the tribal council, um, path all, all the way over there to the tribal council area. So I think for me, it was like, Oh my God, now I got to catch up. Oh, I need to get out there. And, and so it was, it was less about what I had just won and, and people congratulating me, but now it's like, now we got to vote someone out. And, um, and I wish I just would have taken a breath to read that a little longer to understand it. But, um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right. Yeah. And, and it was an unfortunate, um, intersection of the game's already super fast paced and now we're trying to squeeze it down even more because of the weather yeah you know and Mm -hmm. at that point we had to cede our own desires to the tornado sirens blowing in the background so (laughs) that was surreal by the way that was that was eerie that was that was kind of a cool moment in a weird way so Um, how did how did you guys end up landing on megan then I, I mean, like I said, it was it was obvious to me that Pat and Kwu were very tight, much tighter than I was with either of them. And um, I think it was pretty obvious that me and Mandy also um, had a good connection that we were close to each other. And so, um, unfortunately, it was just a, it was a downfall of numbers for Megan to where um, the safest option throughout all that chaos was just for us to get rid of Megan. And um, unfortunately, that was the case. But like I said, I you can ask Megan. I I absolutely told her, and I meant it. As soon as you said you can go scramble scramble for tribal, I told her like I would be happy to vote with you to vote Pat out. And um, unfortunately, Pat had been doing his own um, his own work with other people to to spin things well enough to to confuse and um, you know make the decision that we made. Yeah, because because when I look at it in hindsight. I see you and Mandy and I see Holly kind of a free agent out there. Right. And then Megan's vote. It see, it seemed like there was enough capital there. If you had enough time to cobble that together. I think there would have been, um, like I said, time once again, an enemy and then weather as we are starting to mention here also becomes an enemy in the future for me. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of the, the name of the game was if I just had a little bit more time and a, a little bit less time with the Caitlin vote. Like yeah. there, there would have been so much difference. Um, you know, I consider myself to be a very convincing person with the right people. And I think if I could have got into the, um, had the right conversations that I think I could have convinced people to get rid of Pat that round hmm. or, or I would have voted Holly out after removing immunity from her. But that's, like I said, different. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next thing that happens is a different kind of crazy with the, uh, <laughs> threat of this crazy storm coming in we hurry up tribal um and get you guys into shelter uh and you are now part of survival challenge history as the first ever weather evac we've ever had to perform uh, <laughs> uh how was that uh interesting experience hanging out in the garage for a fun return to one world you know 
initially I thought that this was a great opportunity to, you know, get some heat, um, you know, and enjoy being out of the elements. But honestly, I hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> from, from a social gameplay standpoint, like I really, I really hated that there was an opportunity for people to kind of um, reconnect whether it's with the tribes that they were with or to talk about what just happened in a very like light environment. You know, I wanted to continue with things the way that they were going, which was, um, you know, just not giving people an opportunity to, to slow this game down. But if it was going to keep moving at the pace that it was, I kind of wanted it to, to continue moving. And um, the more that I sat in that garage, the more I was like, it just kind of felt like it was an opportunity for other players to, I don't know, to, to find footing that maybe they didn't have. And I, I feel like Holly really benefited from um, from that that evacuation in the shelter in some ways. So the weather clears, we, we bring you back out and, and we go through this next somewhat complicated swap. And you, you know, Holly picks Landon as the first part of that. And there was the two outcasts from the the group tribal, right? Like that one didn't seem all that surprising. Yeah. And you pick Patrick. Yeah, that's regret number three currently. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting to ask you that question. Yeah. So what, what were you, what was the thought? So let me, let me get to that. So first, um, this is part of the reason why I said that the shelter emergency kind of benefited Holly because she had mentioned while talking to us, I know we weren't allowed to cross tribe communicate, but she was talking to us like, I really like Landon, you know, he's on the outs. Like, it feels like that's someone I can kind of work with. And I'm like, girl, why are you just talking out loud and telling us your plan? Like, <laughs> it made me so nervous knowing that her wheels were already turning. Like, how am I going to work with these people? Who am I going to work with? And I think being out of the elements and being forced to just like do nothing but think it gave her that opportunity to start to plan her game out a little better. And um, that's, that's what I was referring to there. Um, the reason I picked Patrick is because I'm a firm believer of keep your enemies, uh, your enemies closer than your friends or the keep your friends close enemies closer. Not that Pat was an enemy, but um, since I'd already kind of said his name, um, my, my concern was that would, it would get back to him. Um, whether he was with Holly or somebody else, it was like, you know, Benji was ready to vote you out. And then I'd have to deal with him knowing that while I'm not next to him. Um, I, I had a feeling that uh, knowing that it would, I had a feeling that it was going to be split up into two tribes. And I was putting confidence of flipping a coin and hoping that Mandy and I would land together. But um, in hindsight, obviously, I wish I would have chosen Mandy. Um, I think that would have been the right move to help preserve my game a little bit longer because I kind of was in the mind of, um, you know, it's, it's pre-merge. Pat will still work with me because we've worked on every vote together. And I think he owes it to me after the Caitlin vote to at least be transparent enough to give me some options or, or what the name's going to be or what he's feeling. And um, to keep him close and to hopefully um, no one would tell him that I was planning on trying to vote for him and maybe trying to vote him out if I was on the same tribe with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of calculations that I think um, my analytical brain got the best of me and I should have gone with my gut. And um, unfortunately, the, the worst part of that scenario was I locked eyes with Mandy after I said Patrick because I took a pause, a beat to, to kind of think what I was going to do. And then watching the blood drain out of her face and not having the opportunity to explain why I did what I did. Mm. Um, immediately, I was like, um, regardless of the choice I just made and why I made it, I wish I could take it back. Um, but it was, it was too late, obviously. So, so continuing on then, though, you, you would then have the opportunity for the pair of you to pick the next pair uh, with Patrick. Uh, and it ends up being Tiffany and Jake. Did you, what were your thoughts as that was rolling out? 
um, I, I mean, Patrick is a very convincing, he's very persuasive and, uh, he's quick to speak and quick to think. And honestly, every time we made a decision, he talked first and, uh, I, I felt to, to struggle might send a message to other people or something that maybe there's something up. And so my gut was to just kind of go, yeah. And, um, when he said Tiffany, I'd mentioned that I, I had a good feeling about Tiffany from right. the beginning. And I, I wanted to make sure that I was reconnecting with other people than the ones I'd been working with all game. And as soon as I heard her name, I was ready to get on board with that because um, that was someone I felt like I could have um, a reconnection with or, or to be able to work with. So that plays out and, and you were looking on paper, which always is somewhat deceiving, mm-hmm. the new follow tribe. And we're like, oh my gosh. This, this tribe is loaded as far as challenge potential. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, right? Uh-huh. Um, it was a good – it was very good. Did you have that feeling as you went back to camp that night? 100%. Right, the first thing that I thought was I didn't get exactly what I wanted or needed. I didn't think. But I had Pat and Kewu, which to me was like – they will use me as a vote no matter what, no matter what happens. And I was like, I feel good enough to where I might be low level enough. If people notice that they're the duo that I may not be a target. Um, turns out that obviously wasn't the case, but um, you know, I also felt good about watching the tribe that we had, you know, we, we had a, I, I'm not going to make it about, about gender at all, but the people that we had had of, of the men that we had, a lot of them had really good challenge performances. Chris was a, a puzzle beast. Uh, Devin, very physical, uh, big guy. Jake, very smart guy, good swimmer. Um, then you had me, Pat, and Kewu, who had all shown that we have different strengths in our tribe. Um, Tiffany had always been such a competitive person. Like There was a part of me that was thinking, you know, this might be a tribe that we can roll, um, rattle off a lot of, a lot of wins with here. Um, that's that damn first challenge. Yeah, and you did, just not the first one, right? Exactly, exactly. And of course, the first one was, you know, a body area um, sort of <laughs> calculation where I'm, I'm looking at, I'm like, we have to balance. I'm like, they've got, they've got they have four people that are smaller than me and I'm one of the smallest people here over there. Like, no way that they're going to out, that we're going to outbalance them with this, with this Haas group that we have here. You know, that's the beauty of Survivor though. That's why I love watching the show because it doesn't always have to be brute force or strength or wits or, or whatever strengths you think you have is that it's always going to be different elements you have to be ready for. But, but regardless of what the challenge was, I really thought that we could win it. Um, but we had so much trouble with those puzzles, getting them locked underneath. And, um, we had all the puzzle pieces, correct. It's just, uh, I think the rain was really starting to lock up some of the, the pieces from the swelling. And, um, we just had zero luck jamming it down there. And um, before we could even get the platform up, the, the other tribe had um, had beat us. And um, yeah. you know, interestingly, what I noticed there, um, it was Maddie for the new Tamunga, who was the first to suggest that you turn the base upside down to put yeah. the pieces in. And it was a good minute or so, maybe it seemed, before you guys figured that out as well. Yeah. And that that little tactical maneuver was the difference in who won that challenge. You know? yeah, was, I, I think that uh, we, we were hot on their heels. We had just gotten the platform flipped over by the time that they had um, you know finished the challenge. And uh, 
you know, bouncing people on something like that, it wouldn't have taken us more than maybe 30 seconds to a minute to determine the best angle and to give our best shot. And that, that was valuable time that we lost there. So going into that tribal, had there been anything from the night before in terms of how everything was shaken out or was there just a scramble to try to figure out who's this first boat going to be? It, it was, it was once again, just a, a fatal flaw in a game that I couldn't control. Um, the weather was such a factor um, in, in that night. Uh, all of us hardly got any sleep. Even me, the heavy sleeper, I think I got maybe two, three hours of sleep in that heavy downpour. And most of the people stayed up the entire night just chit-chatting. And who knows what conversations I missed then, but maybe that's where my heavy sleeping might have been a, um, a disadvantage at some point. But I, I don't think they really probably said too much because there's enough ears and people who are part of different alliances uh, or whatever that um, I don't think too much was said to where people were like, necessarily planning a whole bunch but maybe there are some conversations i wish i was privy to or had lodged myself into keeping them from talking but um regardless uh that 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 storm ruined any opportunity for me to have a reliable conversation with the two people i wanted to talk to which was uh devin and tiffany um just because i'd been on the original eight with them joe and jake i didn't have a whole lot to say um because uh, I didn't know them that well and I wasn't sure where they stood quite yet. But at least I had capital with, um, with Tiffany and, uh, and Devin. And of course, I knew Chris personally and I had a few chances to talk to him. And um, I, I knew that uh, Chris and I weren't at that point in the game. I knew that Chris and I were not going to um, keep each other from merge, um, at least deliberately. Obviously, um, as we'll talk about in a second, we ended up being pitted against each other. Yeah, happenstance, but um, neither of us were going to be the one to say um, I, we want to get that person out, but we, you know, obviously commit to the scenario that we were forced into. But um, I remember even my confessional before we went to the challenge, um, I had told them if I just get a chance to talk to Tiffany and Devin, hopefully I can kind of rekindle that connection and, and build something that, that can save me a couple rounds. Um, but the weather didn't allow it because um, it, it started just to downpour and it got worse. And, um, a lot of people went underneath the tarp to try to get some rest before the challenge. But I was pretty adamant that, um, you know, we stay out of the tarp so that we can try to get some conversations going. And, you know, it gave me and Kwu about 30 minutes to talk, plan, work out scenarios and think about things. But I, ne- I never got the key conversations I needed because they were under the tarp. But, um, then after the challenge, the first thing I do is I went to talk to Tiffany thinking that, um, hopefully I could pick back up on some connection that we had. Um, in, in one of those little enclaves that you had for us for tribal councils. And, and I went to Tiffany and I, I think that the way that I talked with her, I thought I was talking to her like a, an old connection or an old friend, but apparently the, the vibe she got from me was somebody that was trying to call a shot, um, which I don't know how to do it any differently than the way I did it. Because as I explained to her after the game was over, I Pat was calling almost every shot um, and it was the final word on everything. And, um, for some reason, I guess the way that I approached her and talked to her, um, she was ready to flip it on to me, which, um, you know, it's her game, but I, I, I was hoping that she'd recognize that, um, that the connection I had with her at the start of the game was really something that I wanted to continue and that I was hoping that could provide some longevity for us working together in the game. Cause I, I had no intentions as you, as I've been talking here about going far with Pat and as far as Kwu, um, Kwu was collateral damage to push him closer to me after Pat was out of the game. Um, if I could have somehow 
spun that um, getting rid of Pat was a necessity. But um, yeah, is, you want to say something to that? I, no, I, I was going to ask about Joe because he found himself in a rather precarious situation as the only former Halada, right? The, yeah. three of, the three of you from Fala and the four Tamungas, it would have seemed a potentially easy vote for him to just go with the majority there, but yet you guys brought him over to lock that first vote up. What? Who did that? Like, what did that look like? That was all Pat and Kaywoo, as far as I know. Um, I had a good connection with Joe. I think Joe and I had, had really good vibes about one another, and I think that me being included in that trio probably was just some icing on the cake for as far as people that he felt like he could trust that round. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, having those four um, Yellow Tribe mates together, um, to me, it was just kind of a big red flag because they'd been to one tribal and it was a forced tribal. And to me, it's, um, I think for him, it was a little obvious of, you know, if we start to vote people out that whose tribes have been decimated, we're just creating a clear path for this orange tribe, yellow tribe, we want to call them to, um, I already forget their name, but to, to basically to, to demolish and pick off the rest of the, the players. So I think that was a little bit of a circumstance for him as well. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that he decided to jump in because it at least gave me life that round. Um, it all happened so fast. Uh, I remember going over to talk to Tiffany and she's like, okay, so what do you think? And I was like, I know Jake the least. I, I've hardly talked to him. Um, you all have a bunch of people. I was like, how do you feel about Jake? And she kind of just gave me a non-answer. And I was like, well, um, I, I've heard from Pat, like maybe we should lean that way. And Kay Wu was like, let me know what you're hearing or thinking, but that's, that's all I've heard so far. And I, you know, we can kind of figure this out. And then I, I went over to Jake, even though I just said his name, because I wouldn't at least um, not not turn him away. I don't think that he was ever convinced that I wanted to work with him or that what I was telling him was the truth. But I kind of went over him and, you know, we, we kind of talked like, oh, what do you think? And he's like, oh, no. And I was kind of like, I don't know, Chris. And he's kind of like, yeah, maybe Chris. I don't know. He's, he's really good at puzzles. I'm like, yeah. And I'm trying to like just throw anything around to make him feel like um, that, that I'd be open to working with him for a vote. I mean, I'm really trying to stick to those orange people, which might've been really bad for me in the end. Um, <laughs> however, it shook out. But um, then, then I, by the time I got back over to, to Pat and Kaywoo, um, somebody had come over to the, to the grouping that we had and said, Benji, your name is out there and Tiffany is thrown around. And I don't know what, what came to me, but I immediately went over to Tiffany and just confronted her. And um, I kind of told her, I was like, did you throw my name out? Because it wasn't necessarily like... Um, oh my God, how dare you throw my name out? It was more like, I really thought you were somebody I was going to work with long-term and late game with. And to hear that you were the one beginning this, it was just a a moment of shock of, um, A, if it's true, I'm gone. Because there's nothing I can really do to to pull myself out of this. And B, like, how how do I tell her that that I'm, I was serious about working with her. And so I tried to tell her, like, I want to work with you long game. Like, I, I don't want to vote you out. I don't want you to vote me out. And she didn't say a word to me. She just smiled at me. And it was kind of, um, it felt like it was fun for her, which is great. But at the same, it was my life in the game. <laughs> and I was looking at someone just, just kind of, um, I don't know, almost like a, it was almost like a grim reaper moment. Not that she's an embodiment or anything like that, but it's just like, I saw the writing on the wall and it was like, crap. Um, because I know that those orange are going to be much stronger before than Pat, who I've been trying to get out, Kaywoo, who is tightest with Pat, and Joe, who I had just really got to know in the last like 10 hours. <laughs> and um, immediately I went back over to them. I was like, I guess that's the, that's what's happening. And I was like, will you guys all go to, will you guys like hold the tie for me or, or and, like go to rocks for me? 
And Kei and Joe could not have spoken any faster. And then Patrick just stood there. And immediately I was like, I don't have time for him to answer immediately. That is the worst non-response ever. <laughs> because Mike was yelling at us, it's tribal time, get walking, get moving. And I was just like, I mean, Pat eventually said yes. It might have been like a good two, three seconds, but it felt like an hour in my mind. <laughs> and that gave me all the confidence to think, well, either Pat, Pat has a big decision to make because it sounds like k and Joe are ready to, to draw rocks for me. And um, and, th- and then it was time to go to Tribal. And to know that that Chris was the only name that uh, that, that really we had heard as an option, it, it broke my heart because um, I didn't want me or Chris leaving the game at that moment. But um, the only saving grace would be... Uh, a tight vote in a rock draw, which um, doesn't bode well pre-merge. In my <laughs> so as we're sitting at Tribal and I'm, I'm asking questions, was there anything that was said in there that led you to believe it wasn't going to be 4-4, or were you pretty sure that was going to be the outcome of that first vote? First vote I, I knew was going to be 4-4. Okay. Um, I, it was the re-vote that I was really nervous on. Right. And... Um, because I don't think that there's any reason for Pat not to tie with me the first time around because I mean, on a, on a, what if, what if someone throws a vote and then everything changes? Right. I knew Pat was smart enough to follow the plan, but then to, um, you know, make the choice that he needed to after that. Um, but the, the things that were mostly being said was uh, my conversations with Chris, cause we were seated, seated right next to each other at tribal. And, uh, the whole time I, I just kept, um, I don't know. He, he kept telling me like, it's me, it's me. Like, they're not going to go to rocks for me. And um, I kept telling him, I was like, I was like, I don't think so. Like there's, I don't, I don't think that, that what you're seeing is what I'm seeing. Um, but we were both convinced that we were going home um, at that point. And then when it went to a tied vote, um, there was a small part of me that wanted to believe as there should be. But um, by, by every means, I didn't see anybody on Chris's side flipping against him. I, I didn't see Devin, Tiffany or Jake. So that, so that three seconds that seemed like an eternity delay in the answer to the question, when it ended up being you, in your mind, you pretty much knew right away that was Patrick that flipped. I, I, I hate to be so confident, but there's no doubt in my mind that Patrick flipped on me. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cable almost played the idol on me. Joe had nothing to lose. And so for me, it's like, why, why would either one of them flip? Um, and I, 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 I wish a part of me would have played a little more aggressive and would have just yelled at Kei like, just play the idol. Like, don't force this into a tie. Play the idol and, and send Chris home or something. But, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that because he won, you know? He yeah. probably made the right, exact right move for his game. Saving me might have been his downfall. Right. Because, like I said, my goal was to get rid of one of his number one allies and Pat and then to force him to get closer to me so that I could use him later in the game. Um, do, you uh, think, do you think... He had wind of your desire to move on Pat, and that could have played into it? Yes and no. I think that um, K-Woo is a very smart guy and considers every option. I think he maybe he uh, he might have sniffed out that since I'm on the outs, that maybe I should be something to be suspicious of. Uh, I have no confirmation, though. I, I, have, I have no clue. I haven't talked to him much about it after that because after he won, it was such a whirlwind of people congratulating him. I, I got about two minutes, three minutes to talk with him. Yeah, uh, no, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. I don't know where he stood or, or if, um, you know, he was protecting his own butt, which at the same time, good for him. You know, he won because of it in my eyes. Right. Well, we, we had, we've already talked to him and I don't think I knew enough to ask him that question. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, I don't think 
we'd asked him that specifically. I'd be very interested to know that. Yeah. I mean, I know that he listens to these, so maybe he'll follow up in the group chat. that we have. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where as soon as it was flipped, um, no hard feelings. Cause like I said, I would have happily voted Pat out the realm before <laughs> and so to, to hear that he got me first. It was, it was some, somewhat of poetic justice in my mind. And um, it, it's, it was a thrill to be voted out that way because no one wants to be either an obvious vote or a unanimous vote. And I felt like um, it spoke to the game that I wanted to play. And I was very proud of having a moment like that on my exit. I think that's a great way to look at it. I mean, honestly, I think uh, it's kind of crazy how we saw some subversions of what we thought some people's games were doing. You know, you seemed like easily one of the best set up people from pretty early on in the game. And you had Holly who spent almost her entire game on the bottom. Yeah. And then just seeing how that reflected by the end of it is kind of wild. Yeah, it, it is. It is quite the juxtaposition. Um, and like I said, it, it's um, it, it speaks to Holly's game, you know she had the opportunity to spread her wings and to, uh, to play survivor. Whereas I had the opportunity to be a little content, which, um, you know, I was happy to be content though. A lot of people would be in survivor. And so I think that, um, you know, she, she really got a lot of good opportunity to, uh, to explore her game and, and she rocked it. You know, Holly is such a great character and such a great player that it was, it was never a doubt in my mind that, um, that getting rid of her, I knew would have been a loss of an icon. So it would have been, I feel like the fate almost wouldn't have allowed me to, to vote against her in some way. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's a very powerful player. Yeah. What was, uh, even though you weren't on the jury, there was quite, I saw quite the bond of the pre-jury members this year, which made me honestly very happy. Uh, shout out to Stu for really <laughs> heading that initiative, honestly. Um, yeah. What was your experience like with the other pre-jury members? I know it sounds crazy because when I walked into this game, it's like jury or nothing. You know, a lot of people have that mentality. So it's not like it's crazy to think that. Um, and so to not make jury, your initial reaction is just to be down on yourself and to reflect and to think about the what ifs and shoulda couldas. Um, luckily for me, that that pre-jury was was a blessing. Um, the the opportunity to get to to be with those the, all of those players after we'd all fought so hard and, and watch each other fall one after another and, and to get to have a moment of, of realness with them outside of the game, um, shifted everything. And I, I got to give another shout out to Jamie. Cause when we went out that night, um, to, to the bar and restaurant, he, he was the kindest person to my microaggression against myself for how, how poorly I thought I did. Um, but he, he was the, he was the best person for me to be sitting with that night. Um, Luckily, he has had so many experiences in this game and he's had many opportunities to reflect on live games and what they really mean to him. And he gave me a lot of valuable perspective and was such a kind person during the during during those times that we all feel when um, when we don't win a game like this. And um, having having him be such a, a great person, and a great friend that evening um, changed everything. And, and everyone was so nice. And, I, and, and we're what I loved about the, the pre jury is is how committed everyone was to being a spectator and a love of the game that just broke our hearts. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> a great perspective. And, um, I also made some great friends out of it. I mean, not, not just because, um, not just because we all played the game together, but it's really valuable having that, that evening ahead of everyone else who's still left in the game. 
and to be able to, to get to understand and know one another. And, um, you know, Morgan, who I got to meet out of that experience, just played ecstasy. And what an opportunity that was to, to just extend that friendship with her. Cause I'm so grateful that she played uh, the, the org that I host ecstasy because she did an incredible job and it got me to just appreciate her as a player and a person that I never would have experienced if she wasn't in pre-jury with me. But um, yeah, everyone in the pre-jury was so great. And, um, you know, the, the, it's, it's odd, but the, but the memory of that first night being voted out is a very fond memory and one of my fondest of uh, this experience. Well, I'll tell you this, and William can attest to it, and you've probably heard it from others. Part of the, uh, the ongoing healing process, I was happy to see you respond when I said, who's coming back to volunteer? <laughs> when you get to come back and talk to many of the others of us who were there who didn't necessarily play and just... Uh, widen the bonds of folks who share this crazy experience and world. It just gives you some more warm feelings to replace some of those empty ones, perhaps that are still lingering around there. So it's something for you to look forward to as well. So absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I greatly look forward to it. And, um, and I'm just grateful that you even offer that experience to people who have uh, played in previous seasons, because you know, one of the, one of the joys of the, uh, the holding cell and off time that we had was to see some of the relationships that have grown from this whole game and to be excited to think that, um, that I want to be a part of something like that. It, it just seems like a very invaluable, um, opportunity. And I'm grateful that survival challenge allows people to come back and help. Yeah. It's so great for, for, for us on production, because when the event ends, we respect the fact that you guys who played together have a lot of loose ends you're trying to tie up. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so we don't, we don't want to impose ourselves on there, but, but we, 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 we cast you, we watched you, we set everything up for you and we want to interact with you too, you know, right. and, <laughs> It's fun when you come back and there's not the pressure of the game and all of that. And we can all just be people and enjoy not just the event, but the time we have, you know, during the lunch breaks and stuff that you didn't get to see any of when you were out there. And yeah. just be just be human beings with each other. Like you and I got a little bit of time to chat, you yeah. know. Uh, which which I thought was great, but that's more the exception than the rule. For most folks, we get a, hey, great game. There's some food over there. Uh, oh, you have to leave to go back to your hotel or whatever, you know. So, yeah, um, that that reconnection that happens and getting to meet people from other seasons and stuff who all you saw them as was a, a face with a volunteer shirt or whatever. It's it's just a fun fun way to continue the whole experience. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, like I said, everyone that I met from the whole experience, even though they had to be stone faced and not tell us anything and give us non answers to everything. Um, what, what a great group of people that you have, um, just from over past seasons. And I'm, like I said, I'm so grateful and blessed to, to be a part of, um, that legacy. I think what's going to be really cool for you to experience is what I experienced for the first time during your season was my, even though I had been with Survival Challenge for quite a few years now, my first post-playing season at Survival Challenge and realizing how uh, some of the really, what seemed like small moments at the time, I look back so fondly at. And I think one of those moments was just 
uh, you guys all like eating and chatting together right after the game was ended, uh, right after the game ended by the house. Yeah. And you guys are all just bonding and laughing. And I'm just like, I don't even think I remember looking around to myself and thinking like, I don't even think they realize how like wholesome this moment is for them and how much they're going to look back on this as like the defining moment of when the game ended, but like the experience started, you know, absolutely. Um, what yeah. it means from all the connections that you built and, and just being able to kind of live vicariously through you guys, knowing what those moments will eventually mean to you guys was honestly just so rewarding to be there and just to be there to kind of relate to you guys. And it's also cool to kind of be a person that other people kind of look up to like, wow, I watched your game last season. And Benji, you may think that like, oh, I didn't make jury. My game's not worthwhile. Like hearing about there's going to be future players who's listening to this episode right now, taking notes because they liked what they saw. Sure. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, there's so many fun things to look forward to. And I'm excited for all that too. Cause you know, as, as much as I love playing these games, um, they, they're, it's a love hate relationship with them. However, every season that I've hosted an org, I have never regretted once being a part of the experience. So I know how just, just incredible it can be to be on the, um, the other side of the coin and, and how much I'm looking forward to being an observer. Um, yeah. Uh, so with that being said, for the respected future players of Survival Challenge, whether it be season nine or beyond, what's your personal advice to them? That's a tough call. Um, it, there's really no perfect answer um, or, or perfect gameplay, but I'd say one of the, um, the biggest things that I'd have to tell someone is, is that some of the things you may not be preparing for are some of the things you might need to focus on. Um, and it's impossible to know exactly what that'll be for you, but, um, I, I may not spend too much time maybe focusing on one thing, but maybe, um, tap into what you think will speak to you the most and try to focus on that. Because if, if you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, plan for the weaknesses, um, plan to learn how to navigate them and how to turn them into a strength or at least a non-issue, um, that that's one thing because if, if you become your own worst enemy, um, there's, there's no recovering from that. And, uh, what, whether it be how you feel about your position in the game, how you feel about your challenge prowess, or maybe, um, what you have to offer to a tribe and none, none of it really should matter except for you understanding your role and making sure that you are, um, just doing whatever you can to deflect your weaknesses and, and to work them into some sort of a non-factor. <laughs> Oh, very well said. And lastly, you had a lot of hype going into survival challenge. <laughs> Did it live up to the expectations? hundred percent without a doubt. There's, there's nothing that will come closer to being on survivor in my mind. And I don't think that the, there's anything out there that's that, that could match this. Um, people can create their own survivor games and they do a great job of it across the country. I just haven't seen anything to the size scope volume that survival challenge has done. Um, and in some ways I'm, I'm hopeful that as, uh, these games progress and move on, that maybe there will be bigger, better opportunities, but for what it's worth right now, survival challenges, um, it's unmatched and it's, it's beautiful in that way because I think it, um, it, it has good reason to be unmatched when it both it's, um, it's legacy, uh, the people who work for it and, uh, the love that's put into the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, uh, a, a, a really great thing that's going on here and I'm excited to see it flourish. 
Awesome. Any lasting thoughts, John? No, just thanks for saying that. That uh, made me choke up a little bit. And coming from someone who understands both sides of the of the uh, production, it, it's really um, a high compliment. So, so thank you for saying that. It, we don't do it to hear those kinds of things, but it's really nice when people do come away with, with an appreciation because we pour ourselves into this and uh, it's nice to hear that it translates and people feel it. Absolutely. And um, just, just one thing I need to know about you, John, I, I, I host, I've hosted many tribal councils over my life. You didn't seem to have notes. You didn't break eye contact. How do you do what you do? I really don't understand how you prepare, how you execute. I was just in awe the entire time. I'm like, this guy, he knows all of our names, knows every single question, the order he wants to ask them, has every single retort he needs. I, I was I was impressed. So if you got any uh, advice or, or whatever you got going on over there, share the wealth, man. Well, that, that's funny that you say that because I guess a lot of the ways that you're critical of yourself, I, I always feel like... I'm not doing as well as I should in that role. And I, I don't think of myself that way. So um, I, I probably over-prepare to try to compensate for what I perceive to be my own weaknesses. Like when you guys, when you guys send me your pictures, uh, my wife laughs at me because they'll be sitting on my table for a month as yeah. I memorize your faces and your names. Oh, I love that. Um, and then of course, nobody looks like the pictures they send in anyway. So, <laughs> um, but I do have to credit, credit my production team, like Andy or somebody will come to me right before tribal and at least give me highlights yeah. of, of what the, pre, um, what the themes might be. Um, but I think a lot of it's just having done this now for eight years, Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, you just kind of get into a rhythm of it. And there's always some generic questions you can fall back on when there's a lull. But yeah. there's certain people who will, it doesn't take long to figure out who the person is that you need to ask to get the conversation going. Yeah. And I think that's what helps me the most is. You know, if somebody says something provocative and it spurs a follow-up without me doing anything, then the conversation's a lot better than it would have been if it was just me asking a whole series of questions. So, Well, we'll just know that, at least from my perspective, and I don't speak for anyone else, but I'm sure they agree, that um, it, it just came off so polished and it was very impressive. And, and, and just the whole production crew completely um, blew me away. And it, it was, like I, I have to say it again, just such a pleasure to be a part of something that is so well run, taken so seriously and uh, just makes you feel like you're in something you've been dreaming of forever. Well, thank you uh, on behalf of the team and myself. I, again, I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, we're really excited to have you as a part of our survival challenge family and as a future volunteer, that's going to be really exciting to have you a part of it. And we're really excited uh, to usher in another wave of players. Yes. And just as another <laughs> reminder, now is the time to apply. It will be gone before you know it, and you'll be spending the rest of the year wishing you would have. Just so take, don't regret take it. five minutes. Take five <laughs> minutes. Do it. <clears throat> it doesn't take that long. Super easy. Make a quick video. Show us what you got. Show us how excited you are. We know you are. And send in the application before the end of the month. 
Uh, go to survivalchallenge.net for more info and to send the application. Make sure you follow us on our social media for updates on Facebook and Instagram. Follow our episode and other video content on YouTube. And if you want to find more places to listen to this podcast, well, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Thanks. It was great going back and uh, although a little painful for you, Benji, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story because it really helps us from a production point of view um, to hear players' perspectives on things that worked well or didn't work well because we're always trying to to do it a little bit better next time. And without honest feedback, we, we can't do that. I'm, I'm happy to help. Really am. And um yeah, this this has just been great, such a great experience. I'm, I'm I love that you all get to do this for each player. It's such an unique and and beautiful opportunity for all of us to through the good and bad times relive what we got to go through. <laughs> well, we're here for it, and that's what Survivor's about. You know, the ups and downs and the ultimate connections that you make through it, providing for just some awesome conversations around something fun. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, thanks.